podcast brought to you by DaytimeConfidential.com. On today's show, the fallout from Morgan's death shakes General Hospital, Wyatt and Quinn control Forrester on The Bold and the Beautiful, the Young and the Restless Baby Switch storyline is finally ending, and was the climax of Day's supervillain storyline as good for you as it was for Jake? All this in a little bit of Emmerdale, so stay tuned. welcome hello it's just the two of us before the podcast i was thinking to myself i'm gonna start humming this song but i was like i don't think any of our listeners want to listen to me singing that singing just the two of us Uh just the two of us see you can pull that off i can't (laughs) oh well it's been a long time since we've just done a twofer it it is and i'm a little bit nervous because it's been so long what was what really had your interest in soaps this week? Well, I had to go across the the way that the pilgrims had to come over here for religious freedom. I've had to go to the UK um, for soap satisfaction, but we'll talk about that at the end. So, um, so you did a reverse Plymouth. I did. You know, I put on my black get up and and got my. Um, you got ghosts like the people of that one <laughs> settlement that disappeared before Jamestown. And instead of Native Americans. Wait, I, why I, am I talking to you about history and geography? It's, I know history, first of all. Fact of business, I just don't know <laughs> geography. I know about the landing of Plymouth Rock. Thank you. But anyway, yeah, I had to get on the boat and head over to the UK. But instead of Native Americans... I found villagers to to welcome me in and and give me sustenance, and I will not give them blankets with smallpox. I was just going to ask about smallpox. <laughs> so, but before we do that, we'll talk about the U.S. soaps. Uh, so, you said what was your question? What interested? What what, what made you excited this week? Because there were so- several different things that I saw you tweeting good thing, positive things on Twitter about. <laughs> In that in that um, vein, we'll start with what is what I do feel positive about, and Days. that is Days in Our Lives. Um, I have to do something that I don't know if I've ever done in the history of this podcast, and that is well, yes, I have because I de- I remember praising um, the Nicole Sammy baby switch, and that was her. But I have to once again praise Dina Higley. It's no secret I've never been a big fan of Dina Higley's. Uh, head writing at soap operas overall. Um, but I will say this. She and Ryan Kwan are really working well together as co-head writers of Days of Our Lives. Um, I am really enjoying the show right now. And this is the thing, because a lot of it's it's so funny because a lot of people accuse me of being so negative, and I know I can be. But the moment I tweet something positive, I get forty people telling me why I'm wrong, and I'm like, well, can I just like something? Here's the thing about days: are they doing anything groundbreaking or revolutionary, no. soap saving? <laughs> no. <Okay>, Trump. <laughs> um, no, they're not. But what they are doing is taking a page from a very specific time frame of the soap, the 80s rock'em sock'em 
super couple era, and they are giving us a modern day, you know, feel good, in my opinion, I know you might disagree, you know, kind of a flash or throwback to that era of the show where you have all of the iconic couples, not all, sorry, Bo, um, you know, working together Baby, to take down. That was Ron Moss, not. <laughs> no, if you want Bo, you have to sing, Where are the good men gone? And where are the gods holding out for a hero? But uh, holding out, yeah, is it? Holding out for a hero. Bonnie Tyler. Anyway, go to YouTube. Anyway, yeah, so Patch and Kayla. John and Marlena, um, everybody has been working together to take down Orpheus. They're utilizing the characters well. Dina Higley and Ryan Kwan know these characters. That's one thing. I'm not saying they're telling progressive, great, game-changing soap opera story, but they know that Marlena is supposed to be profiling the villains. That's how she's always worked with the bad guys and the, you know, I mean, the, I'm sorry, worked with the good guys in town and versus the spies. They know that even though she's a psychiatrist, she like she had to remind Chad this week, she's also a medical doctor and she can throw her flaxen hair and go <clears throat> and get down there with her syringe and relieve a air pocket just in time to save JJ's life. They know that Kayla is not some shrill harpy always fussing at Patch for being a super spy that she's his ride or die. And when Kayla was like, I'm going to help you sneak out of the hospital because I know you have to go save John from Orpheus. I'm like, yes, this is who these people were. No one would have fallen in love with them if they were just nagging shrill women like they have been portrayed in the last few years. Adrian, Kayla, Jennifer, even Marlena for a while, and Hope, they all just were these nags who were like, our men abandoned us. It's like, it's not like they were deadbeats who went out looking for milk and never came back. They were off saving the planet from evildoers. And it now that the women are involved with that again, and you know, John and Marlena saved the day and then they hug. You know, it's it's reminiscent of that 80s era of days pre-Riley, you know, everybody will, you know, Riley gets a lot of love and hate for the... Love you from know, you, kind of, hate from others. Yeah, you know, for kind of putting the show back on the map after those kind of blah years of the early to mid-90s with Tana Schofield and <laughs> all those boring characters. You know, then Riley came in and started burying people alive and doing devil possessions and then created, you know... Sammy, I mean, even though Sammy existed pre him, he's the one who turned her into daytime's greatest super bitch of the 90s. So he definitely, you know, Days has struggled, though, to bring it back to that 80s era of the old school super couples. You know, every time they've tried in recent years, it just hasn't really worked. And, you know, then we get them written off and called spokes and on wheels and things like that. But this time around, they're being used well. Marlena is 70 years old and she is everywhere. She See, but is... that that's I mean that sort of leads me to two questions because okay. when I'm watching it I totally agree that it's nice to see all these super couples in action, but at the same time I'm like 
wouldn't it be great if there was like a mid middle aged like a, e, a Sammy EJ aged couple that was sort of like the next generation, so that then you could have the JJ and I'm going to say Camilla Banis, but it's not Camilla Banis; it's her character, uh, Gabby. Gabby as the young one. I feel like there's a huge gap between like the old ones or the older icons and the new one. It's like this would be a great opportunity to nurture the growth of some younger couples. And I really f- have felt for a while that days has, a, is very lacking in that area. And uh, that's, well, so that's my first question. My second question is mm-hmm. if Dean is doing so good now, what was her excuse for so long for doing so bad? Okay. Well, I will take on that two part essay question. So I love I, essay questions. You know that I, I excel in <laughs> tests with essay question answers. You know this, right? Okay. Well, I agree with you that yes, in the that we yes, we are getting a ton of great story in the over 50 crowd. Um, the 40 and 30 something crowd, it, you know, it, it basically is trickle down soap on days. The older people are getting the best story right now. And then it kind of trickles down. But I will say to you, JJ and Gabby and Chad are being utilized. Well, no, no that, I, I did mention those as good. No, I'm just yeah. saying that it doesn't seem like there's a lot in the middle. Sonny and um, Paul's, you know, finding their way to one another has been juxtaposed to these stories. But I will say this. Yeah. If this was a Brian Franz production or any, uh, or even days a few years ago, yes, it would be the flip. It would be Paul leading the adventure or, Brady or any of those others and the our beloved old school veterans would kind of be pushed to would the be side. the chorus line and I don't agree but this is the thing Luke for the last 20 years except for this is where I always have to praise Y&R and, and the bold and the beautiful because the Bill Bell soap operas are pretty consistent with keeping the veterans front and center even when they do let the kids take over you're gonna see your core veterans but with Days and GH, there was such a mad, obsessive rush to that younger demographic that that's why we had characters like Marlena and John marginalized and killed off. And all, wait, let me finish and all of that. So for me, especially considering that we didn't get a real anniversary year story last year because Josh Griffith, you know, neglected to take antidepressants that whole time. I'm sorry. I'm just kidding. I, I'm not, I'm not, I don't want to be crass, but Jamie I has fan. no knowledge of yeah. his medical situation. I am situation. a fan of many Josh Griffith stories, but I'm just going to, I'm not even going to pussyfoot around it anymore. Josh Griffith left to his own devices, you know, while Dina was out or whatever is dark was not good for days of our lives. He, I feel, and I, and this is the thing because Josh Griffith is not a bad writer. And a lot of people enjoyed those stories. And look, he wrote some really good stuff. I mean, what's that one, the kid that used to be the Price is Right model? Um, Robert Scott Wilson has tons of stuff for his reel, thanks to Josh Griffith. Because he really did write a really scary, that's a lot of reallys, Jamie, dark, ugly character for him to play. And take that, separate that out of the, you know, out of days of our lives. Hey, if Josh Griffith gets a deal to do a Netflix serialized, you know, soap about a serial killer, 
I'll watch the heck out of it and support the heck out of it. However, I feel he did a disservice to Days of Our Lives during its 50th anniversary season by deciding to try to do True Detective or The Killing or whatever that Kevin Williamson, um, the following type mess. It was dark. It was ugly. It was gross. There was rape in the Horton living room. We've all, we've been all over that. Now we're getting rock'em sock'em action adventure romance and it feels like this should have been the 50th anniversary season of days of our lives and yeah it's a lot of the old heads the vets and i don't have a, I, I don't i have no problem with that my only concern was if no with ken's previous history and the fact that he'll he'll bring them in and then they'll he'll in one week and the next week there'll be spokes on the wheel and he's cutting them because he needs budget Usually it's the Nicole Sammy age group that is doing the heavy lifting. And but now I want to say this to you though, because you know I know we got into an epic debate about this last time that got heated. But I have to ask you, I have to put you on the spot. Is some of your reservation and some of your unease about this? You are a card carrying super fan of Sammy, and you love your Nicole. No. And yes, does that is it the fact that they're not the, the you know, those characters no, are not leading. What, it frustrates you. No, what my concern is the fact that this is a show that when it is doing well, in this case with the older vets on there, I'm happy for it. But at the same time, Ken has proven year after year after year that this never lasts with the older people. So while it's, well, good, while it's, okay. while it's good now... I know his pattern, and I know that I we are going and we're going to be going back to Nicole. And Nicole's storyline is not one that I'm enjoying. And yes, I would love to see her in a rock'em sock'em thing, but if you look at the canvas and what's going on with the canvas in the uh, Nicole Lucas age, there isn't a lot. I mean, the I guess to me, and and this is just my own viewpoint, but when I think of like Bell and Sean and all those. Those are younger than Nicole and, say, Lucas. And mm-hmm. I just feel like the age group for Nicole and Lucas is severely lacking. Well, and I would and I would like to see if we're going to be having the, the older vets do stuff, instead of it being both ends, the really young and the really old, I would like to see some of the mid-tier characters who we love getting storylines that are as and, fun and, and rock can, and sock. I can totally co-sign you on that. And I think that's going to happen. But I feel... That especially how, I mean, that, let's just be real. Days of Our Lives is the house Deirdre Hall built. It is. It just is. And Marlena having been marginalized so much in the past decade or half a decade. I mean, if you look back, there's a reason why Deirdre Hall's face covered, you know, it was Deirdre Hall or Eric Braden on the cover of Soap Opera Digest. And Susan Lucci was lucky if she got in there. And it was a trio. If you ask anybody in the magazine industry, while Susan Lucci is a pop culture icon, she didn't sell mags. She did not sell magazines. Well, and as a blogger standpoint, she doesn't make clicks either. She doesn't make hits either. You know, we'll blog about Susan and it's like 300 people, you know, but if you blog about Steve Burton, look, I... You you blog about Eric Braden, Steve Burton, Deidre Hall, there's a lot more hits. If Steve Burton farts and we post about it, it's going to be, it'll break our site. You know, but, you know, that just is what it is. But Deidre Hall has always been 
gold for this show long before Riley, but Riley really got that. You know, Riley was like, I can shoot Marlena out of a, a cannon, but as long as she's front and center, she's going to be a draw. And she's a draw again. Um, and I feel like that that's deserved because, you know, thinking back to her pushing John out of town in that damn wheelchair and, you know, even the years when, you know, I liked Gary Tomlin and Chris Whitesell and even before that with Mardar who brought them back, Mardur, however you want to say these squish names. But, um, Madea, I don't know, Mardur. Uh, but, you know, Marlena was kind of just like Will's P-flag buddy for a couple of years, giggling and playing words with friends with him. <laughs> You're just so delicious. And a bad <laughs> Will at that. Well, with both of them, you know, she was just, well, she didn't like, you know, she didn't like the second wheel. It was so funny. We how don't like, know that, but it's, it's, no, no, no. Like, I don't mean the actress didn't like him, but her dynamic with Will changed. Like uh, it did. Like, Shut up. But, you know, no. It was, why am I putting up with my stupid grandson? Exactly. Whereas it used to be, oh, I just love you. You're so delicious. And it was like, she, so before, before she was like, let's go to a club together. Now it's like, why am I putting up with this stupid grandson? Yeah, you know, but I feel that if we want to take it to a level of, you know, society, life is not over at 60 or 50. And I feel like John and Marlena are proving that you don't have to put people out to pasture at a certain age because they have been, you know, now some of my, you know, some of my industry friends have been ribbing me because they'll see my Twitter love and I'll get a call. So you're really liking Drake Hogan running around with that gun at 60. Listen, when they, yes, wait, wait, it's, okay, am. you know, previous podcasts, I am hard on Drake, but this last week when there's a gun to his head and Steve has a gun to the head of the guy who has the gun, the pull yes, gun, Lord. that was like the trifecta of days. All I needed was a Phil Collins soundtrack, and it would have been the 80s. And this is the thing. Look how popular that movie Reds was with, um, yeah. what was it called? Reds? It or, was Red. You know, Red. Oh, yeah. Reds is the old war. Made movie. But <laughs> Red with, you know, all of the old. And then they had that other one with Stallone. People the loved those movies. Yes, Why is it I know, know the names of all these things? Well, because we're talking movies. And we're talking so, movies in primetime as opposed to soaps. Yeah, but it's like people <laughs> love that because you got to see your old 80s people, you know, because baby boomers are aging, living longer. They have more disposable income. It's time to get out of that whole younger viewer thing and just go for the viewer you can get. And I guarantee a fan of... A, lo- a lapsed fan of Days of Our Lives is going to turn in for John Marlena, Patch, and Kayla more than they will the latest saga of Deimos or whatever. You know, I like Vincent Irizarry, but they're finally making Deimos work for me because he's acting like a true Kyriakos, you know, trying to pr- act like he's saving the day and he's all altruistic, but he really helped Xander <laughs> escape. Um well, the Orpheus stuff was so good. I, you know, I, I hope, I, you know, I'm, I'm talking out of two mouths because I'm all, I'm over, I'm over fake deaths. But when Orpheus swallowed that poison, I was like, no, bro, we need you. Listen, really, if you're going to get Orpheus back, I get Helena. Oh, no, I don't want Helena back ever again. But, um, you know, and it's not about Constance. I love her, but they just look. Ron beat Helena into the ground, killing her and bringing her back, killing her and bringing her back. But no, 
Days for me has been fun, and it's not just about the older. You characters like either. you like Lucas and Anne. I do, and I like it because I suggested it. I'm just calling it. I suggested that like two years ago on Twitter when they kept well, on. Well, by, by, by day standards, you're, it's exactly. right on time. It's like, you know, to, I'm very basic with my soap opera. I'm serious. It's not like I'm trying to come up with some, you know, I would never, you know, I'm not one of these people who would be trying to do a thousand and one nights or trying to be so creative or, oh, let's do 24 hours in one time frame. I'm just like, okay, Ann Milbauer hates Jennifer, so what is the soapy, you know, it's like basically soap by numbers. It's like, okay, let's put her in a romance with Jennifer's brother. To me, that's soap opera 101. It's like, that's organic conflict. These people hate each other, so put him with the brother. And if you that know, gets Adrian back with Justin where she belongs, because Adrian and Lucas have always been an odd fit for me. They, they were they were hot initially, but they are odd. It, it, they I just, never thought they were hot, and it just I don't mind. Look, Kate Roberts is one of those characters that can screw throughout the generations. You know, if they put Kate with an eighteen-year-old, I'll probably think it's hot. And she's also hot with a sixty-five-year-old. But even though Lucas and Adrian are probably close in age. Adrian, to me, is part of the 80s super couple era. And Lucas came of, as was a teen with Sammy. So I'm just like, this just doesn't feel right for me. Well, <laughs> but, before we go to another soap, I have a question because it's a rip from the headlines. I saw a headline on Twitter and I got thinking about it. It's like, damn it, I want to see this storyline on the soap but I don't know which one it would work best on. So maybe you'd be an idea. There was a lady, the New York Post had it. She went in because she thought she had kidney stones, and it turned out that she was going to be giving birth in, like, the next hour. And the reason for this, this was not like an overweight lady where sometimes you'll have the stories where someone is overweight and they don't know they're pregnant. In this case, the woman had been diagnosed as, like, premenopausal or or menopausal and so her the the i'm gonna say chemicals that's the wrong word um hormones the hormone makeup like masked the fact that she was pregnant the baby was in breach the entire time so it never moved around in her stomach and and so she didn't wouldn't have had any signal that she was pregnant that way and then she had went and like not i don't know if it was broken or something to her ankle so she had been on bed rest for weeks and so all of a sudden she's going and giving birth and because of all these different symptoms they had no clue she was pregnant i was like wouldn't it be really cool if you could find an actress who hasn't had a storyline in a while and all of a sudden just like lay the groundwork with maybe her having sex a year ago, never mention it again, and then like nine months later have her pop out a baby and then everybody be like, what the hell just happened here? And then go through like a flashback montage of things that happened to explain it. I was like, you know, this could be a fun storyline if they did it right. But maybe um, I'm wrong. Well, I mean, the soap opera that would obviously be the perfect fit for a general hospital would be one called General Hospital. <laughs> and but... I am not suggesting mm. that Monica end up pregnant. <laughs> no, but and the thing of it is, I will say this: I would re- like that story Lucy, would be great. Lucy Coe could maybe. I would.
would love a menopausal baby for Lucy, especially because it ties into history because she never, you know, Lucy miscarried all of her children. See, I, um, and the thing about it is, is uh, Lynn Herring is in such fantastic shape. No one would ever suspect that. Oh, but Luke, not what, here's the thing. Um, well, no, but I'm talking about, I'm talking about like, we, you're going to have a, her being in such fantastic shape would be part of the problem because if Lucy Coe is pregnant for nine months, she's going to know it. She has abs of steel. Lynn Herring is out there. Uh, all all, I, all I'm saying is this, <laughs> like the picture of this lady, this lady looked, she wasn't as in shape as Lynn have Herring you is. Seen Lynn Herring's uh, abs? She Lynn, know Lynn Herring is in amazing shape. I'm not denying that, but what I'm saying is, Lynn Herring could turn me. I'm just but if, saying. if they're <laughs> saying if if the baby was in breach and maybe it was something where it ended up being born as a preemie or whatever, you could still have a small weighted do baby. Do it with Diane Miller. That would be a hoot for, with Carolyn. Hitch. Don't do it with and, Alexis. And Alexis oh, has no, too Alexis many children. Had too many kids. I know. You need to do it with a character that doesn't do have it any with kids. with Diane. But yeah, that's a perfect segue. Since yeah, I'm frustrated. With maybe maybe lack. Carly will have a miracle baby oh, no. to replace Carly, her Carly to replace her morgan no but speaking of morgan so i'll start off with the positive the aftermath of morgan's death has given the show a much needed umbrella story for the series leads to you know get their emmy submissions on lockdown for next year it's been solid laura wright mo um, Chad Duell, uh, Haley Aaron is really impressing me. Um, but they're really, you know, they're turning in a lot of good, solid performances. Here's my problem. We've seen this at least five times before. When Michael was shot in the head, Carly was done. You know, I mean, well, I think she was with Jax at that time, but she lashed out at Sonny. You know, Christina gets almost blown out. You know, blown up. <laughs> not blown out, that's a hairstyle. You know, the... We've seen this before. The bomb at Michael's birthday party. Um, Michael's rage at Sonny over AJ. Sonny shooting Dante and Olivia and everyone hating him. And then Olivia wanting to screw him again. So we've seen this storyline where the mob eats one of Sonny's children. And everyone lashes out. And everyone tears their sackcloth. And Carly moves out. And they bust up, and then it just leads to their sixth marriage, or their seventh marriage, or their eighth marriage, or their ninth marriage. Even her saying it is just stupid to me at this point. And that's why I married you for the fifth time. I mean, that speaks to... Well, but let's face it, Sonny and Carly's most recent reunion has been lackluster from beginning to end well my thing is luke there just shouldn't be another reunion of sunny and carly if they break up then they just need to be apart in real life you know i'm a child of you know my mother divorced um my first stepfather she and my real father broke up when i was a baby People don't, I mean, now there are, you know, like one of my aunts, I must say, she did remarry her first husband 26 years later. So, yes, it does happen. People but get, here, wait, let me finish. Okay. So people do get remarried, but it's like, if you're re- having to break up a couple five times, it, why is it worth it anymore? And it's kind of sad that this is the only energetic story on this show and it's one we've seen five times before when Bob Guza was writing the show. I I just need 
something I more can, fresh. I can totally be on board with both of them having their independent storylines, but I think that the problem with that is we've all we've all seen the follow-up story to that countless times, which is Carly finds a new man, Sonny doesn't like him for whatever reason, and gets territorial. Or it is... And Sonny gets a younger piece of tail. Yeah, or Sonny gets a younger piece of tail, Carly doesn't like him, and we're back to the exact same loop. How do yeah. you write... Like, if you're writing this show and you're wanting to have them separate, what do you do to make their romantic well, territorial interest so whatever it is I'm that just, broke them up so big that they'll never ever ever again have romantic interest in each, each other because because of this state of malaise and lack of creativity that is really permeating all of daytime and i am so fed up people know it i mean i barely even want to blog although everybody i promise that's going to change but it's really hard to write about stuff that is just repetitive and there's no joy and there's no energy and there's nobody thinking outside of the box. But I say that to say daytime confidential is going to get back to calling a spade, a spade and being as real as it has to be. I'm a fan of Sonny Corinthos. He's one of my all time favorite soap characters. Sonny and Carly need to be back burned. I'm just going to speak the truth. Well, you're not going to hear as as a, as someone who's never been a Sunny fan. They need to be backburnered. Whereas days, it was smart to put their vets front and center. Sunny and Carly need to be backburnered. This whole, you know, I'm not, and I'm also trying to be not as personally negative to people. So I don't want to call anybody hacks or dog anybody out. But I will say this: there was this concerted effort to do away with gun violence on General Hospital. And I get that because this country is in the midst of, you know, one gun violent story after another. So I can see from a network perspective or whatever, there being, a, you know, we don't want to be, although. Okay, let's pause at, right there. If you look at Quantico, how many guns are getting whipped around in Quantico? And there's no difference. I know, and, and yeah, and, and how to get away with murder and everything else. But here's my point about GH. GH has become more violent since, you know, Ron didn't really tell a very violent GH. Well, sort of. I mean, you know, yeah, AJ and and he, Kelly Sullivan. But it wasn't it wasn't day to day violence. It was there's big bursts of violence and then was, slow, yeah. slow periods. And it was much less violence than Guza. I feel GH has become more violent since they. Um, you know, did the whole no guns thing. It's like we've had one half of the most popular couple that the show has right now. Let's just be real. Julian and Alexis were really popular with the fans and they had him hold a dagger to her throat, getting ready to kill her. They've blown up Morgan in a car. Um, so there's still tons of violence on this show. Um, and I just don't think, I think the whole they have to rethink what General Hospital is or really go back to what it was. And I don't mean what it was in 19, from 1963 to 78 because it almost got canceled with that. So I'm not saying go back to a soap opera about Nurse Jessie Brewer pining over um, Dr. Hardy while her husband steps out on her. But I am saying come up with a way to tell a 2000 
17 medical soap opera about the lives of surgeons and hospital administrators and nurses in a hospital. That is what this show should be doing. Grey's Anatomy is the most successful show on ABC primetime. Why even the most first year suit is not suggesting that. And maybe Nathan Varney is, but this show needs to become what its title is. And that, and again, I'm not going to shade. I'm just going to be real. That might have to be to accomplish that getting rid of Frank Valentini, because I don't think Frank has a vision for this show. Oh no, he has a vision. It's himbos. No, Ron had a vision for this show. Frank is staging. I was being sarcastic. No, but, and, you know, and Ron went way overboard with a lot of his crazy stuff and, you know, t- trying to honor so much of the 80s era. But, I mean, it was an enjoyable, it was what it needed to be around its anniversary. But propelling this show forward, it needs to and, be about And the to hospital. be fair, and to be fair, there was some interference by White Walkers. Well, yeah, but that's every soap. I mean, you, Eric Braden gave an interview this weekend. We'll talk about that when we get to why not. Uh, not this weekend. I read it this weekend in Soap Opera Digest. But anyway, um, back to GH. This show needs to be about doctors and nurses again. And I'm not saying, you know. Eliminate the mob. No, no, we have to be specific. It's just like what used to be with when Savannah and Waiting to Exhale we got to pray specifically. I'm not saying bring back people who used to be on this show as doctors. I'm not saying, you know, I'm not saying bring Steve Burton back as Dr. Mitch Slavidovich because that's just lazy and it's stupid. It's really stupid. What was the point of bringing back Jeffrey Vincent Paris as a doctor and not use him? That's stupid. Well, you know, the same can, the same can be said about Michael Easton. No, it can't. I mean, in terms of like them reusing me. reusing the same actors over and over. Yes, that is, but yes, but at least they have used Dr. Hamilton Finn for the most part wisely. He he has gelled. You know, that's the barometer. Did it work or did it not? You know, I don't see the point of doing it with Jeffrey Vincent Paris. You know, and I do know that that was Frank's doing. That wasn't Gene and Shelley. Frank has to be stopped with stupid stuff. You know, think it through before you kill off a character because <laughs> just bringing one back as somebody else i mean that is a carol burnett sketch and, and while we love carol like, burnett it's not working on gh no and it, it, my thing is when soaps were super popular the spoofs of them made you laugh now they make you cringe because the actual show is worse than the spoof. Did we I tell when, you? Did I tell you that I went and finally watched Soap Dish and it was awesome? Well, that's the thing. Soap Dish was a broad parody when it premiered in the '90s because soaps were had never been that ridiculous. Now they've kind of lined up with Soap Dish. I mean, they were never. I mean, yeah, there was the shrunken head on As the World Turns. Um, soap dish was before the devil possession but you know there were ludicrous things in the old days of soaps but they were you know few and far between but now general hospital especially and yes a lot of that blame has to be laid on ron with the masks and all that stuff but it you know i will say ron had an energy and an entertainment value to it that now i'm just like for a while you know you know i love ron but the last, the last year and a half, months, two years, 
No, I think it was the last six months. It wasn't it, the last it, year. He was only there for three, Lou. Okay, <laughs> so then it was the last year. I'll, I'll give it him the first two years. Was, okay, you say it was the last year. I think it was just well, the last Well, but you know months. I was disenchanted but, with his writing well before, before you, yes, were. you were. Yes, So, so we'll, if you're saying six about, months, me, I, it's fair to say it was for me it okay, was a year. Okay, but let's talk about it today. General Hospital is supposedly a for-profit hospital. Um you know, they're doing a story about it possibly being sold off because Lucy Co. is now wanting to make condos. First of all, Lucy Co. used to run a multinational cosmetics company. Why is she selling real estate in upstate New York now? I mean, Estee Lauder is not going to end up working for Coldwell. Or, the same, you the know, same or, reason Robert Scopio is, sell, is trying to do a development deal in Genoa City. No, I mean... I, I just, why did they just go for the plebeian? Lucy, Deception was supposed, I mean, do you remember how Brenda had those big, huge fashion campaigns for okay, Deception? Jay, Jamie, and, can we pause for a second? Do you really want them to, try, this writing team, to try and pull off glamour and fashion when we are having to watch, I, wait, let me finish, let me, when we are having to watch Nina and this magazine that's supposedly this high-end magazine be run like a two-bit dime store rag? Here's how you and I think differently. You like to you like to cage your bets and say, do I really want to have this regime try this? And I'm saying, hell yes. If they're going to collect a fat WGA-sanctioned check for writing these shows, then I expect you to try to give the viewers the sun, the but moon, when they and do the that, stars. they don't get the stuff right. Well, if you look at what I, happened with Jason, they couldn't even get continuity right. I just right. want to point out, you're more negative than me. I just get angrier about it than you do. Um, you I, would, I would point out that you were very upset about the continuity and the lack of history I continuity was, errors. but that doesn't stop hope from springing eternal. And I do believe, I have to believe, that yes, they are capable, they're smart enough to do this. If they get a V8 See, drip, I, have... I, I do believe that those writers are talented enough to do more creative storytelling. Oh, and, and, that's, and that's where we disagree, because I think that Jean needs someone with a little bit of an imagination, because I, I don't feel, find that she has one. This is what I feel about Jean and Shelley. I'm just going to be real. I feel that they are company girls. I feel that they're not going to make waves. They're not going to come into that writer's room and tell Frank, hey, I really think it's stupid that you want to bring Jeffrey, Vince, and Paris back as someone else. Or, hey, stop going to Emmy parties trolling for General for and Young and the Rest. This is why Hope does not spring eternal for me. No, no, no. They're not going to do that. And, hey, here's the thing about that. They stay cashing a check, whereas writers who will push back sometimes don't get to keep cashing a check. So that's where we are. They basically, I'm sure that when they, you know, when they get told that Y&R, we want you to do a cooking show for Jessica Letcha, uh, Jessica Letcha, Jessica Collins, I'm sure they <laughs> signed that would themselves. Be, that might have made the yeah. cooking show more interesting. <laughs> but, you know, I mean, I'm sure that they have moments where they go, really? They want us to do this BS? But then they go, okay, you sign in the check. Whereas, you know, I think GH needs a writer with a strong point of view that will say, no, Frank, just because you hung out with David, with, with, um, uh, with David Hasselhoff at a YR party Puss that you snuck into, no, 
we're not gonna, you know, or just because who, let's see who, you know. But I don't think it's just Frank. I mean, it's not just Frank. Someone has to rein Frank in above him. And if the, if the executives above him are not doing it either, it's, it can't just be on the writers. I mean, I'll give, I'll defend Gene and Shelly that way. It has to be whoever's above him too. Well, Frank needs to go. I'm just going to be real. Wendy Rich is, is you know, I'm and I don't want this to rock the boat because I think Wendy Rich is going to do some huge, great things with the Bay um, digital series. But I think Wendy Rich should be running General Hospital again. Or if not Wendy Rich, they need to go to the UK also because Frank has no perspective. He has no point of view. I mean, just, I mean, here's my thing. Just start with a damn yellow legal pad and write the title of the show at the top, General Hospital. That should let you know what your theme of your show is. Hooked on crayons worked for him. You know, this is a for-profit hospital. Instead of some stupid storyline about it being in danger with condos, why not look at what is going on in the world and actually tell stories related to that. I follow Zika Pasanate on Twitter. I know that she is whip smart. She is all up in what is going on in the world. So that lets me know I feel this woman would like to be writing relevant material aimed at what is going on in the world. Not just Zika, but well, yeah, Zika's kind of passe now because it's winter, or not winter, it's fall, so the mosquitoes are going on back into their water. But there are many, you know, they missed the beat with that because, you know, when they had Teresa um, still on the show, uh, Teresa Castillo, Sabrina, you know, she came back from Puerto Rico pregnant. Hello, that should have been the Zika baby. You know, that baby should have had Zika, but didn't do that, whatever. Obamacare is one of the most highly politicized uh, topics of our time. Why not do storylines about how Obamacare is affecting a for-profit hospital? And, where if you, you have- and if you did it right, you could tie it in, because one of the things that I hear a lot of times is just with people I'm talking, like I have a, one of my, I live down here in Arizona, my great-grandmother lives down here, she has a one of her old lady friends. That old lady friend, when Obamacare came in, her her like her coverage was cut in half and her premium doubled. And she's on and she's on retirement income. She, well, to keep this well to keep this from because there are also thousands of people, millions <clears throat> of people who never had insurance who now have it, and there are plenty of people who could not get insurance because they had a pre existing condition. So here's the, so you and I with our varying political beliefs, just did Even exactly though this what, year we're voting for the same person. No, but we just did what Agnes Nixon would have done. When you do a story like that on a soap so that you won't be accused of being a Lynn Marie Latham who is like, I don't like blood diamonds, so I'm going to get rid of all the diamonds on The Young and the Restless. The way you do a social story and do justice to it is you do what Agnes Nixon did. You do the dove and the hawk position on All My Children, she always had somewhat, you know, from the show's beginning, from its very origin, it started off with the Vietnam War as the lead storyline. Can you imagine one of these shows having the balls 
to take on ISIS the Syrian, today. The Syrian refugee crisis. Agnes Nixon, God rest her soul, if she was still writing for this genre. And I, when, when I was being courted by Soaps a few years ago, I pitched a storyline tying a story going on there to the funding of terrorism. And I was told it wasn't escapist enough. Now, I won't tell you which show that was, but I will tell you they went on to do a drug dealer who was a doppelganger. But my pitch was not escapist enough. Okay. So I'll just go ahead and tell you. What I pitched was, since Colin used to be a mobster on The Young and the Restless, what if, you know, and this was during the time when he was involved with Finmore's, I had read an article in the New York Times about how... Um, ISIS, and I did not know this at this point, you know, the New York Times is a great resource for writers. Um, terrorists in the Arab countries make millions of dollars by uh, selling knockoff luxury goods because, you know, in the Arab countries, you know, these French luxury companies and U.S. luxury companies like Ralph Lauren and Bargos. are huge over there. So terrorists make a lot of their money by selling knockoff items. So I was like, well, what if Colin is running a, you know, counterfeit, um, counterfeiting ring through Finmore's department stores and he's, you know, using it to fund terrorists back in Australia or, and that was not escapist enough. So then we get yet another doppelganger damn storyline about Peter Bergman supposedly being a damn Latino who comes to take over Genoa city. Fine. Fine, go with the doppelgangers. By all means, Wusa. But back to the GH thing. The way you have a, de a de very definite, def different view of Obamacare than I do. Gene and Shelley could take the Agnes Nixon approach. You have Tracy Quartermain. You know, tie it to ELQ's business. ELQ is a multinational. What if it is? What if one of its divisions is a private insurer? And Tracy is like, well, we're we're going to opt out of Obamacare. Monica could take, you know, as a, as the lead of the, you know, first do no harm. The chief of staff of GH could be the dove position of Tracy. Millions of people are being able to get insurance that can't get it now, and Tracy could be doing, you know, planning to. I actually you think know, you would need three people because if you did it right, you'd have Monica caught in the middle because she'd be seeing both circumstances. You need someone else to be the dog. Well, yeah, you would need you. Would, well, no, you could have them. You know, those two women. But then you also have someone on the canvas who would be affected by it. And this is where you have the problem with everybody on soaps having so much money, or everybody. This is where where it could have been. I mean, it it wouldn't work with Olivia now because Olivia owns half of the Metro Court because Connie left it for her. But this is where you could have had Olivia being affected by it. You know, she could have developed some sort of, or had a pre-existing, or no, I mean, you know, it could have been some woman on the show with a pre-existing condition, and you actually tell the story through the show. You know, the Vietnam, I mean, not the Vietnam, the Veterans Affairs scandal, the Veterans Hospital scandal. You could have had a vet coming in and not being able to get treated properly at the veteran at the local new port charles new york veterans hospital and then you know they go to general hospital for treatment gh could partner with the veteran i mean the veterans affairs uh department is has mounted a huge public relations campaign to kind of offset that scandal and that scandal's not over living in arizona they just put a new head of the right. in there <laughs> well gh partnered with shriners 
They could partner with the VA, introduce a you know and you know a peer of Monica's who runs the VA hospital, and you create a you know you bring well, on. Well, no, a, a what po- you really do is you bring on a really hot military guy who has problems because someone with PTSD who has lots of problems. There'd be that potentially has a good storyline for all kinds of, yeah, of all and, kinds of elements. I mean, but the, you could have nurses who really are you, you have nurses drooling over him. You have the the psychological stuff. Everything. We're going big, but what you first have to do is play your medical characters at the hospital. The nurses' station has to be played again. We need to see Epiphany and Elizabeth and Felix. And Brad and um, 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 Lucas, who just got married, in story. It makes no sense. Let's just go back to what they actually are telling on the show. Um, Lucas and Brad missed Jason and Sam's wedding. Lucas is both Sam and Carly's brother. Lucas has not been there to help Carly grieve Morgan. They're not doing, you know, Soap Opera Digest slammed. um, Or was it? Was it Digest or In-Depth? It was Digest, I believe. Digest slammed GH about not using Brad and Lucas um, ever since they got married. You know, you have so many stories that you could tell through those characters. Felix, black men in this country, if you look at the statistics for HIV and AIDS, they are staggering. You know, there could be a, they could be doing a prep story. We Ron already established that Felix was not as freaky deaky sneaky as Brad and Lucas because he chickened out of doing the um threesome. So what if Felix falls in love with a guy who is HIV positive? They're, I mean, they did that on How to Get Away with Murder, you know, and that could Here, deal with all of his fears. I love everything that you're saying. But for me, having seen Gene and Shelly at now three soaps that I can well, remember. I get that. No, but, but I'm just saying, I really think that in order to do that, you need a third head writer who, with some imagination to come in. Because they could execute it. But like when, you, when you're describing it, I'm thinking, okay, this would be awesome. I'm going to tell you exactly no, what no, I said no, to someone No, what I'm just saying, I want to just finish this. Yeah. This could be awesome. But the fact of the matter is, I think that it would just come across their version of it. What what you are pitching is awesome, but their version would come across as the most boring PSA you've ever watched. I don't think it has. I don't think that has to be the case. I think here's the thing, and here's where we are. You basically don't feel that Gene and Shelley have the chops to do it. I don't see it that way. I think I they think, need someone else to ins- to provide inspiration. I think they are exhausted, and I think that they're just kind of playing the company line. But I do think they are talented enough to do it. I, that's where I stand. Um, now, if, you know, because my thing is, yeah, there needs if they brought. Here's the thing with a show with with both GH and YNR, which they both ping pong back and forth from. They both have heavy hands in in the cookie jar at both of those shows. You know, at YNR, it is great when you look at the term from a synergy standpoint. And I am so proud of CBS Daytime right now for all of the work that they're doing to promote their whole lineup and how they engage the soap fans. However, storytellers need to tell stories. And I feel that the network needs to stay out of the storytelling. They need to give notes when there are, you know, and your notes should be when someone wants to bring a damn doppelganger in. That's when your notes come in and stop something stupid. 
but you should not be endlessly pitching cameos and foolishness and all of that kind of good stuff. And let's do a TV the show. Only and all accept, that. The only exception to that that I would say is if they can get the talk co-host, whose name suddenly slips my mind, uh, the African-American co-host, what's her name? Aisha Tyler. Or Cheryl. Well, Cheryl, who loves soaps. Like, well, yeah, because, she's on both. Because, she plays the like, no, but I'm saying, I don't ha- like, as far as I'm concerned, no. she can show up as often as she wants because she's so passionate. I don't mind that either. She's yes. so passionate. She can show up on both shows. It's a great way to tie it in. I Let don't have a problem you, with yeah, that. And I agree with that. Here's the thing when your show is on fire, look, I loved. Uh, uh, Carol Burnett and Rosie O'Donnell on All My Children. I loved Crystal Gale on Another World. But when your show is on fire, I don't mind a cameo. But when both of your show, both of your scripted dramas are piss poor right now, which they are, I'm just going to be real, lying on B&B, as Jillian Bo would say, she, she, since she's not here, are terrible. They're terrible right now with storytelling. Um Thank God we have a, a, a clock stop with Y&R that we know Sally's material starts in December. I don't know what to say about Brad. But I'm just saying, while these shows are this Not for bad, nothing, but the best thing that might ever happen to Brad is the fact that the Obama administration is almost over. Yeah, so he can come his ass back <laughs> from come back from Hungary. Is. And focus on his damn soap opera, because I'm not cutting Brad any slack anymore. Bold and Beautiful is the worst soap of 2016. But um, Now that's the know, headline for the I podcast. Mean, it is. I mean, Bold and the Beautiful is the worst soap of 2016. But, you know, I mean, and that's a shame, because it was, didn't we give it best last year? A but, lot of um, people did on the podcast. I mean, ugh. but, you know, it's like, if the shows were on fire, they could have Carrot Top, Nipsey Russell. I wouldn't give a damn. But I'm just so tired of every other day, this one and that one and Boo Boo the Fool. I don't give a fuck about those people, and nobody ever will. I don't even care. You know, give the damn so. You know, Michael Logan's column in TV Guide is good real estate for this genre. I used to love and still do love his writing, but boy, they ain't giving him shit to report anymore. I used to wait. It gave me life to go read what Days of Our Lives was going to do. It's going to entertain you know, weekly, James. Logan would always get the hot one. You know, he would always get the big scoop of, you know, James E. Riley is going to cook Lisa Ritter in a vat of possum grease. But Whatever. the it thing would about it is, but Jamie... How can Michael Logan get those storylines when look, those when look, those type of big storylines don't aren't exist? Happening. That's that. Look, I'm just taking too long to get to my point. The, they and, have and it, it's a it's a scary Wink day Martindale. when I'm getting to points faster yeah, than you are, Jamie. He has to write about Wink Martindale coming. Who gives a good fucking goddamn about <laughs> Wink Martindale coming on the boat in the beautiful to perform the latest cameo wedding we've had? Perez Hilton. We've had Joni and Chachi. We've had this one and that one. Well, and Bono. who cares? Who ca- I'm going to start acting like Stephanie Forrester when she found Brooke in the bed with one of her husbands. That's what Brad needs. So who are it's you going to knee in the balls first, Jamie? Susan Flannery needs to show up at Brad's villa in Budapest and say, what are you 
doing? Susan Still Flannery told me it. to tell you I am perfectly happy with my I spiked know, hair you, and moo-moos. You You're not putting me back in. Nobody could rip you a new one like Stephanie Forrester, and that is what Brad needs. Why are you trying to tell another damn surrogacy story? You lazy bastard! Don't you write this shit anymore? I'm tired of it. And I this is the thing. Bold and the Beautiful has the best company of people ever. They're so nice, and they're so good, and they all love Brad, and they should love Brad, because he's a great boss, but he's a great boss who is telling really shitty, repetitive stories right now. And that so, is the problem. Here's a question. A here's a no, question. Here's the thing. Let me finish this. Okay. I don't give a damn how many parties you have, how many celebrations you have. Here's the thing. You can have parsley... You know, all sorts of presentation. It can be served on a silver tray with a waiter at the Paley Center, at this, at that. But if it's a big old turd, it's still going to be a turd on a silver platter. Just because it's circled in caviar doesn't make it good. And that is what is happening. The stories are bad. I watched Winnie and Nelson smear pumpkin grease all over why is that a scene wait wait i thought thought winnie and nelson were on the young and the restless i'm jumping from both of them because both of them oh because i thought that's what you called uh, why is it a scene on a national big budget american soap opera why you know the rules of storytelling are cut out the minutiae Yes, you want soaps to resemble real life, and fine, you know, Halloween so, comes. Get Have, you know, the children at the Halloween carnival. But there was a whole damn episode about Halloween. We had little um, orphan Annie, Sharon's daughter. Oh, let's go pick a pumpkin. Ooh, and Nick, okay, I'll go pick a pumpkin. But Supergirl, I've always picked a pumpkin with you. Do you really want me to go pick a pumpkin with who gives a fat fuck about pumpkins? And then you cut to damn Jabot, and there is Winnie and Nelson smearing pumpkins everywhere. You don't have shit else to do with Daniel Beastman Goddard. And, you know, a few years ago, we were complaining about Lily being on the show every day, running every storyline. And I'm not saying I wanted to have every storyline, but they are popular. You ain't got shit else to do with them. But have those children who never seem to be sore ass. They're the only kids in daytime who, I'm like, are y'all children of the corn or something? They stay five years old. And they in there smearing pumpkins and shit all over the damn laboratory. This is not the end of the Restless. And I know I've said these scenes, it's become a cliche, but this is not the Young and the Restless where Ashley is in there developing a top secret, new, um, pheromone-laced, whatever Bill Bell used to come up with. And then Nikki shows up. Hello, Ashley. I see you've been to see my husband. Nikki, I don't have time for this. I'm busy. I'm a chemist. It's, you know, I'm not asking for Shakespeare. So I've got a question. Because I don't think we've ever just went and discuss this about the bell soaps that like i'm trying to rack my brain from 10 years of podcasting how much responsibility does brad's brother have in trying to bring put brad back on track as the corporate as the as the family manager he is the businessman well i'm saying but that's what i'm saying you wouldn't you think wouldn't you think that as the business manager he would be like brad get your act together none he does not have he has never if you read Michael Maloney's um, autobiography, which I know you didn't. <laughs> oh, uh, yeah, I know. I did not. But, no, uh, Billy 
learned early on that he had a knack for numbers and business. Billy is the reason that they have all them fat, pimped out mansions that they live in, which I ain't mad at you. If it don't make dollars, it don't make sense. Billy has sold that show all around the world. You know, I think the Bold and the Beautiful air is on Mars. That is Billy's role. He makes the money. He is the money man. But I he guess my not. question is, at what point does the creativity get so Brad bad that the money starts being impacted? Uh, well, I mean, I'll, to say that, I will say this. When we've been mad at B&B before, creatively, it was st- it, it was topping the demographics in Nielsen. So as mad as I am right now about it, it's that's not to say that it's that the problems that I have with the show will cost it money. Because we were also very mad when Hope was the center of the Wash Ricks repeat triangles. But I will say this about Kim Matula, no shade against Jackie Wood. When it was hope in the middle of those stories, B&B was killing in the demographics. You know, women, I guess women 18 to 49 just loved seeing Kimberly Matula in those same stories. But now that we're seeing Jackie in those, and I think the problem is... They're not writing... Jackie Steffi isn't supposed to be that character. Yeah, Steffi, they lost the archetype. It It was like, instead of... You know, Steffi was supposed to be the antagonist in the story. That's what I will say. Brad was Brad. Brad did if you look at so, B&B, there are very few archetypes on that show anymore. Everybody just sort of blends together. Brad found his, well, no, Brad B&B used to be very archetypical because Bill Bell set it up with uh, with the psychology of women. We always knew that Stephanie was frigid and Stephanie looked down on sexual women. She didn't, you know, Steffi had issues because she'd been abused by her father physically and all that, uh, not sexually, but, you know, that still played up, you know, they revealed years later that there was a reason behind Stephanie's frigidity. And then you Which had Brooke. I always thought it was interesting because then you have Steffi, Stephanie and Steffi having such a good relationship and Steffi was a little whore. Right. But the thing of it is, you know, grandmama don't see you like you really are. Grandmama see you through, you know, uh, rose-colored Rose glasses. glasses. But, you know, Brooke was the epitome of sexuality. It was the Madonna whore complex. And Stephanie always wanted Ridge to be with women like her because Stephanie was fucked up in the head and she kind of wanted to screw her own son. And the show dealt with that. I mean, it was part of the storyline. Both Brooke and Taylor threw that up in Stephanie's face at times and then Stephanie would slap them. But it was like she kind of had too much of an interest in her own firstborn son. And she wanted him to be with women more like her. Kind of like, well, I can live vicariously through sainted Taylor that's having sainted sex with my I'm son. I'm pretty and sure that Brooke, Stephanie was just a voyeur. Well, no, Stephanie didn't. I don't think on any conscious level what they accused her of was ever. I don't think she ever had a, you know, a thought of Ridge's boner, but I do think she just adored her firstborn son and they had a, you know, an Oedipal relationship. But Bill Bell, that's the thing. We're talking about things that Brad doesn't even give a shit about. Bill Bell cared about Oedipal complex and what makes a woman sexually frigid. I was just talking to a friend. Bill Bell wrote those themes into every show he ever did. On The Young and the Restless, Chris Brooks um, was sexually frigid. And that's why Snapper went out and cheated on her. You know, he played those roles of human sexuality and it informed his storytelling. Brooks, Brooke was, you know, 
you know, Brooke was Aphrodite rising up from the streams of bubbling semen. You know, the every man's desire. Read your Greek mythology. It was sperm that created Aphrodite, and Brooke is that woman. She was Venus rising. And then you had Taylor, who was dutiful and principled and only had sex missionary position once a week. You know, and that's what, and then I will give this to Brad. He flipped it when he found the right actresses to play Steffi and Hope. It was like, I'm going to do a flip. I'm not going to have Taylor have a sainted daughter and Brooke have a whore. I'm going to give Brooke a frigid little girl that, you know, loves these boys but doesn't want them to touch her silky drawers. And then I'm going to make Steffi sexual and badass and riding a motorcycle. But none of that is, you know, when they lost Kim Matula to primetime, Brad started writing. He just started giving her old scripts to Jackie Wood and make her the heroine. And that is totally boring. Those The male characters have no motivation whatsoever. Liam and Wyatt are just automatons that get moved around. You know, the cousin... Well, I was going to ask, what do you think I of Wyatt and Quinn at Forrester? Well... That's the saving grace of the show. The Eric Quinn story is great. I love that Wyatt is supporting his mother, um, but they could go a little further. Why isn't Wyatt suing Stephanie for half of her shares? Stephanie, you know, he's entitled to half of those shares. Um, Depends on the prenup. Well, maybe they didn't have a prenup. My God, they may, you know, she marries somebody every five minutes. I doubt they had a... These people barely sign marriage licenses. You think they sign prenups? Um, I'll bet you Steffi does. She's been in too many uh, ba- boardroom uh, battles. I would love... Oh, what boardroom battle? All she does is hang out in Thomas's loft talking about which boy she well, wants no, to Well, no, but because... I'm talking about, like, at the Forrester boardroom when they have the vote. She's been involved in a lot of those. Right, but I, I would... Look, Eric... Never, you know, they didn't even make Brooke sign enough the right paperwork to say that her what she worked on for them was proprietary, and she walked away at fifty-one percent of the company because she developed uh, uh, wrinkle-free fabric in their labs on their dime. The Foresters are not good with paperwork because if I develop something at my day job for my day job, it's going to be uh, this is proprietary. So anyway, they need Carter to come up with better contracts. They don't even, I mean. The thing about it is Bill Bell, because he was a businessman who built his own soap opera empire, he took great pangs in creating those stories. I'm going to tell you, when I talk to the industry about that now, people roll their eyes. No one cares. I mean, I looked at an episode of YNR on YouTube the other day where he was explaining uh, – he had not – look, I'll, it wasn't Bill Bell. It was um, – obviously it wasn't Bill Bell because he's not an actor. But it was Jerry Douglas, John Abbott, because I always felt like John Abbott was kind of a stand-in for Bill Bell on that show. And they had two or three scenes of him explaining the exclusivity of um, one of the other Brooks sisters, not Chris. Um, was it? Peggy, one of them was modeling for Jabot, and she was kind of like, I don't know if I want to sign an exclusive contract with you. Why can't I, you know? And he's like, well, we're going to be putting a lot of money into developing you, and da 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 and that's why we're willing to pay this much. You know, they don't do that on either one of these shows now. It's just really Bold and the Beautiful lazy. hasn't done that for years. Well, and Bold has been better than YNR. I mean, YNR's business story right now is Jack punishing Phyllis by putting her in a broom closet, and now they're going to leak 
a story to GC Buzz to try to tank Newman Enterprises. That is stupid. And that's where a network gives notes. Why would a local Wisconsin show impact Newman Enterprises, which we have been told from the time that it was that that Victor started that company from the moment he left Catherine Chancellor's Chancellor Industries to start his own company, we have been it has been drilled into our head that Victor built a world class international conglomerate that just happens to be headquartered in Wisconsin. It was never that Wisconsin media could take it down in the eighties and the nineties. Well, to be fair, there have been things in recent years where a small blog has done a lot of work on stuff and it didn't get recognition it didn't get recognition then all of a sudden it exploded i i I totally agree with that but gc buzz as created by gene and shelly seemed like a little message board for hillary to true torment the newmans if you are jack it was a blog spot blog and yeah and here's the thing about this jack and phyllis are not gonna be they're not kevin they're not you know, yes, Phyllis is a gamer and a graphic designer and a web developer, even though now she's just a marketer or whatever. They just they forgot that she was a computer person. But so when yeah, when Jack's telling her how to delete a flash drive, I'm like, you do remember she managed the launch of the Glow by Jabot website slash reality show. What am I joking about? Of course they don't remember that because what good would it do for you to know that when you're going to write a soap opera? You don't but, need to. But the, the thing history. about it is, is once but, again, we can, we can put this all behind us very soon, hopefully. No. Yeah. But the thing of it is, it's like, how did it get on air? It's like, we didn't have anything to do for the Negroes. So we're going to give them, we're going to make GC buzz a TV show. And now it's where, Newman and Jabot play out their war against each other. That is so damn lazy. I don't know what to do. When Jill Abbott, let me let me let me just tell you. When this is how it played out, one of my favorite storylines. When when the affair between Jill and John was revealed, this is how Jill walked away with twenty percent of Jabot. Because John Abbott was like, you're not getting nothing. You're going to get out of here on your asshole. You done slept with my son. I'm paraphrasing. But, um, <laughs> you know, Jill was like, Brent Dixon was like, look at here. You don't want the international press to know that I slept with your son. What a scandal that would bring. And John was like, you wouldn't. So Jill secured her 20% by threatening to go to the international press, the tabloid. That's what would happen in the old days, like when Nikki's stripping. But, but no, when, you... wait, wait, wait. When Nikki's stripping was leaked, when even like God, even with LML, it was like, well, we're gonna leak this to the tabloids. Leanna Love wrote an international bestseller about Victor. Now we're, it's just a local Wisconsin. Who cares? You can't. I, I tank. agree, but I, but you don't you think that tank Newman Enterprises with GC Buzz? That's just stupid. It would be. Why don't you use real... And this is the thing. I don't know why daytime can't use real-life entities. If you watch Younger or Sex in the City before it, the Darren Star shows, they use real-life companies. Like, Younger is set in the publishing world. So whenever there's a scandal they're worried about, they say things like, oh my God, this is going to be in Gallicat. Or this is going to be in Media Bistro. They use the real industry but I publications. Think, but I think if that... You can't say... 
we're going to leak this to Forbes. If Phyllis and Jack, for whatever reason, they can't just say, we're going to leak this to Forbes or we're going to link this to Bloomberg. Why but can't I think that's just... part of a bigger well, symptom that... in soaps where the, the, the viewpoint of executives in soaps has become so myopic that they want all the little details. If, I mean, and granted, I'm one of these people who loves corporate storylines, but I feel like they've gone overboard on that end, whereas we need to tell the story. Rather than having these characters in glamorous situations that are corporate situations and then letting the little, by, the little guy be maybe one or two characters on a show or being off screen altogether, on a lot of these shows now – Everybody, there has to be someone being the little guy, even though they're highly paid yeah. for it and make way more than the little guy would normally make for it. Every they have to, they seem to think that they have to fill every single role, and they don't have to. The only place that it seems a little bit logical that you would have it is on B and B, where Spencer Publications has been around forever. Well, and that's what my whole point. Why couldn't if they don't they link it to say, Spencer? Exactly. If they don't want to say we're going to link it to Bloomberg or a real. Media, which to me that would that would speak that would go so far to adding realism. If I'm supposed to believe that Victor Newman and Jack Abbott are these power barons, Jack shouldn't be looking at some tired little graphic of GC Buzz about Jabot or Newman business. He should be looking at Bloomberg or mm-hmm. wait, or instead of that, call up Brad and say, hey. We're not even going to try to worry about doing another crossover story. But can we say that Bill Spencer owns Spencer Business Week? Condé Nast has a ton of different publications. You can have Spencer, even though we know that Spencer Publications is mostly about covering fashion, they could have a business publication. They could have a Financial Times. They could have a business, uh, Spencer Business Journal. And here's the thing about Devon and Hillary, and we've said this is something gonna, that I've repeated before, but obviously this was we need something to do with Devon and Hillary. I'm sorry, but a billionaire buying a local Genoa City, Wisconsin TV show is stupid, especially when he owns basically if jill doesn't pay up he should own chancellor because he loaned jill the money to buy chancellor industries which is a billion dollar multinational why is he focused on this here's the story and i've said it before they don't have to use it but i'm like stop being stupid it's like jill abbott was so adamant about getting control of chancellor again that she borrowed this money from devon she doesn't even mention chancellor she bought brash and sassy supposedly under the guise of letting kane billy and victoria run it but she's there micromanaging it every day why does she need to micromanage brash and sassy which when victoria newman built it she doesn't need to be there micromanaging it so that leads to the perfect storyline all if you really want to make Devon and Hillary hot, Hillary looks at the financial trades and says, "Babe, are you looking at Chancellor's um, last qu- uh, quarter earnings? They're terrible." And then he's like, "Wow, you know, Devon's a little slow on the upkeep, but he's but so Hillary would have that to would be actually one. be a fun element if it was if yeah. it was the power behind the throne." And then and- she, yeah, exactly, and like. Because I guess on, let's be honest, I've never Empire. thought that Devon is the smartest tool in the shed yeah, on the show. So if, if Hillary Mc, is the person, the Lady Macbeth, Lady Macbeth, and she's it's Lady basically Macbeth. Hillary versus Jill through 
Javon, yes, I mean, that would be really already, good. They've already established this rivalry between Jill and Hillary. Keep it soapy. Jill disses Hillary again. Then Hillary notices that, you know, she's late on her payments to Devon and Chancellor is not um, doing well in the quarterly reports. And then she looks at the contract and says, you know, you can call in your loan to Jill at any time if she's late on payments. And then Jill, I mean, let's go huge. This is what Bill Bell would have done in the old days. What if Jill used brash and sassy and that house as collateral and devon and hillary walk away with everything devon walks in i'm calling in my loan you're not focused on chancellor industries you know have chancellor have the chancellor mill go on strike have workers you know because when the show began jill abbott's mother used to work at that mill maybe conditions at the mill you know, which is what started Chancellor, are bad. And so that causes a scandal. And Devon is like, my grandmother's legacy is at stake. So he seizes Chancellor from Jill, making Jill go postal and wanting revenge. And then they move into that mansion. They kick the the only the only thing is is I would I would not kick I would not kick them out. I I think the the Chandler mansion history is such that the best thing to do with it is always to have two warring parties living in it together. Well, that's, you know, here's the thing. I'm I wouldn't saying, kick Jill no, out of it. Here, here's the thing, Luke. This is, I'm going soap opera 101. Some of the best soap stories are when you lose something. When when um, Dallas got tons of mileage out of J.R. and Bobby losing you and oil, because then we had to fight. They had to fight for two or three seasons to get it back. I'm I'm agreed. Saying, I guess my only thought is my point. you're thinking short term. I'm saying, of course, we want Jill to get the house back. But what better? It's like, you know, you get back to that point. You have him take everything from them, boot them out. And then I'm not worried about the whole it's better with people living in there. You know, you have Hillary, you know, try to become miserable. Throw a charity event at it and then invites Jill to it. You know, and Jill and her get into a cat fight there. Jill then has a purpose. Her driving purpose is to get back everything Devon and Hillary stole from her. And then you have a a good element, you know. My only question to that is, though, we need Jess Walton there full time. Exactly. Well, she's been, if you notice, Jill is on quite a bit. I know, she's, but I'm just saying, if we're going yeah, to be investing that much into it, we need her back on contract. Jess Walton, I've heard this a thousand times, and I know it to be true. They love to be like, oh, she's retired. She's retired. She retired because she got sick and tired of sorry-ass storytelling. And so it was like, you know what? If I'm going to get sorry-ass stories, I might as well go spend time with my girl. And maybe we'll get one, good ones now. But I do want to yeah. ask one thing before we go to Emmerdale. What are you thinking of the, the baby switch? I'm so tired of these repetitive, derivative stories. There are certain soap tropes that need to be retired. No more returns from the dead. I'm serious. In even fans- Even on Days of Our Lives, which earlier you were like, I want to bring it back. Well, I was just joking. In what episode you went from, oh, it's okay. No, no, it's not. I did not not go from that. I was just basically saying I really didn't want them. I don't want Orpheus to die. But no, for real, no. I don't want Jack Devereaux back from the dead. I don't want Bo Brady back from the dead. I don't want any of them back from the dead. I'd like the real Roman Brady back. 
I don't even care about that anymore. I mean, look, he's been there longer than any Roman at this point. I mean, yeah, I'm not going to lie. I would love Wayne to come back. And and the way I would do that is just bring Wayne back as Roman. And I'd keep Josh Taylor. I would just have him disappear for a month or two, and then he'd come back as Chris Kosicek. I mean, because that's the character here. Sorry, but anyway. I didn't mean to distract you from the Sully no, baby story. I, no, I don't want any more returns from the dead. Morgan needs to stay dead. Um, Adam Newman needs to stay dead. Nicholas Cassidy needs to stay dead. These characters need to stay dead. And we need to deal. Life goes on. People die and then you rebound and you grieve and you get over it and your family continues to grow. New babies are born. It's the circle of life. The return. The only from the way dead, I will accept Nicholas staying dead is if they sore ass. Well, this is what I'm thinking about that to you. But sorry, I keep getting you off track. No, I've been no, I've been the same way. You know, we've been trained on this really bad soap trope, and so I used to be the same way. The moment they kill off Jack Devereaux, they need to bring Jack back. It's like no, this is hurting. I was just saying, I'm okay if they leave Nicholas dead if they if they sore ass Spencer. Except for Bold and the Beautiful, we never, you know, because Bold is used Return from the Dead pretty sparingly in comparison to the other three they that just, are on. They just but, transplant people's hearts all over the place. Well, and the thing of it is, Y&R never used to do Returns from the Dead. Bill Bell would be appalled that after he left, and well, after Kay left, really, that's when it really started, that Y&R became just as ridiculous and stupid as every other show on daytime. Bill Bell would have been appalled by that Phil- Sheila becomes Phyllis bullshit. Oh, he God, please don't go down there. So long, sister killer. He would have been appalled by that doppelganger Latino bullshit. So anyway, I'm so just here's saying, a question. Would he have been appalled by the Kathleen Chancer doppelganger? The well, most no, recent he, one? He did that one. He he did KMR. So no, I don't I think he would have been proud of Maria for doing that for revisiting K and Marge. I think he would have fired her for doing so long, sister killer. But all I'm talking about all of the daytime soaps. This is where we have to stop. Returns and with doppelgangers, that also includes Dopp- masks. No masks. Yes. The first time Ron did a mask, I thought it was a hoot. Especially the first Robert- time, but no but, more. Yeah, when everybody gets a mask, it's like it was like Oprah. You, you get, get a mask. mask. You get a mask. You get a mask. It was. It ended up being stupid. Yes. And Ron was like, look, Ron. I feel this is the thing I will say about Ron. Ron embraced the heck out of crazy soap tropes. And if I am going to have to endure them, I want a James Riley or a Ron Carlovati who's going to be having so much fun with it that he's going to make you at least bust out laughing, like with Obrecht and all of her. You know, that's my thing. If you're going to, you know, I, I love this comedian. They call her Miss Charlene. She's a Christian comedian. But she had this hilarious sketch about this girl who was musty. Is she is she the southern blonde-haired lady? No, it's a black lady. Oh, okay. Because there was a, there was like some southern uh, blonde-haired Christian lady who my mom of all people I couldn't believe it had this I'll whole thing about like marital I'll sex and I was like wow. No, no, no. Miss Charlene is black and she's like your typical black southern woman and you know she's she had this sketch about um, her nephew's girlfriend having an odor problem and she was like if you're gonna do it god don't want you to be doing it anyway he don't want you to do it before you're married but if you're gonna do it smell good doing it 
That's how I look at if you're going to tell a crazy-ass soap story, at least be entertaining. Don't just doppelgang for no reason. And so, yeah, so my point is doppelgangers, returns from the dead, baby switches, these stories need to go. There's no need in 2016 for you to be coming in immediately pitching doppelgangers. And, you know, I don't want to seem like Jamie the fucking asshole of this podcast and Twitter, but these people need a come-to-Jesus meeting. Because if that's what you're pitching, like, I'm just going to be real. Every every character that has died in daytime, when I do my soap scooping, my soap snooping, rather, I'm like, oh, so is Morgan really dead? Well, the thinking is, well, maybe if Brian doesn't do good in primetime, he'll come back. Well, is why? Adam... I'm just saying what I hear. No, I'm just saying. Adam... I'm saying why. Is Adam he... Newman really dead? Well, the exit story is going to make it to where he can come back. If we, you know, if the show doesn't do well, we can bring Justin back. But then if, and then with but Nichols, here's here's well, the thing. If we can get no, no. Let me. My point is, when they used to kill off characters like Roger Thorpe, you know, when he left, and then you know his return nine years later, which was iconic. You know, like Marlena when Deidre Hall left to do Our House. Like Hope when Christian Alfonso left you know, because she only came back for those three months. Yes, in the 80s, the 80s were, let's just be real about the 80s, they were the most lucrative time for soaps. Primetime paid attention to that. If you were on a hit daytime soap, that meant you were going to get a chance to go on Knott's Landing or Dynasty Dallas. That usually doesn't happen anymore. Justin Hartley being the exception to the rule and a few others. Like, that can go immediately from that. So you kind of understood, like, when Michael E. Knight left as Tad. You can understand, uh, well, we really love the character of Tad, so let's not find the body. And then we can bring him back in two years, possibly. But and now... I, and I agree with what you're saying, but my, but my thought no, would be is, why don't you, you just... Finish what I'm saying. What I'm saying is, it was necessary back then... Because you felt like, well, these are superstars that might want to come back. You know, Jeannie Francis might not do good after Bear Essence. She might want to come back and we can have Laura show up at the mansion. But now, because there's no budget for that, there's not going to be a moment where Laura shows up at the mansion and you play music and it's going to be all, it's just going to be, oh, hey, you, you back again. I'm tired of that. It's stupid. And it has left current viewers so expecting it. I'm going to be honest. When Hope and Marlena and all those characters died, I didn't expect that they were still alive. That's why when I will never forget when they brought Deidre back and they did this campaign in prime time, let me tell you, for weeks, in three weeks, one woman will return and change days of our lives forever. And you're like, who is it? Who is it? And then when you find out it's Marlena, you're shocked. There is no shock value to this. Now the fans immediately assume it. Okay, so Morgan is like really like um, on the Cassadine Island and da 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 da. It's just lazy. It's repetitive. I guess what my my thought would be to that, because you've made you've made valid points. I still don't agree because uh, on some respect, just because I want to have some people come back from the dead. But I get what you're saying. But my point would be, but is, you want it because that's but, all you've been trained on. No, but that, that but what I'm. You know, but, no, it's just because Nicholas Cassadine is one of my all-time but favorite characters. But we've been characters. trained to accept but, really but, shitty, bad soap opera, Luke. But what, but, would you want that on... Okay, let me ask you that. Would you want George O'Malley to return from the dead on Grey's Anatomy? Uh, no. Okay, 
no, but I wouldn't mind if Izzy came back and she saw Denny well, she's again. Alive. I know, but she's if she alive. came back and we she had another vision of Denny. But I want to get to my point real quick. I think with like specifically the Adam character and maybe even going to the Nicholas character, if you're not if if you're going to go by your policy, which is nobody else comes back from the dead, then why not create the next Adam Newman? The great thing about Adam exactly. Newman was the fact yeah. that he was the black sheep of the family. If you take a look at what has happened with Noah and the fact that he has been sidelined for so many years, they are wasting Robert Adamson. They could easily turn totally him, him into the black sheep of the family, and you I would, I would page. love it if all of a sudden, Robert Adamson as Numa, uh, Noah was coming back and was just going you to don't, pit, and, and, and pitting himself saying... against both his father and his grandfather because you could totally do that. You could be like maybe maybe Adam in his death left something to Noah that changes Noah's entire perspective on things. Or maybe there's some um, triggering event that basically now makes him the black sheep of the family, no return. Exactly. And you set you this up. You don't need, you can create same, archetype. The bad seed, I mean, let's be real. The, the And you don't have to bring it in as someone else being the black sheep, as someone new that no, no one knows. The bad you can seed do it with is Adam as old as or the with Bible. Noah. It's as old as Cain and Abel. It's as old as the prodigal son who went away and hoard away his inheritance and then came back. You don't have to have Adam come back from the. You and I are on the same page. I'm. That's what I'm saying. You have. You to can even make up, Noah bisexual now. <laughs> you have to roll up your sleeves and stop being lazy and come up with the new Adam. That's one thing I will give Maria Arena Bell and Michael Muni. They collaborated on one hell of a character to where Adam was so doggone essential. I mean, let's just be real. Prior to them Soras and Adam, I never thought I was going to see Lil, because they used to call him Victor Jr. And he was just Hope's little boy off on the farm, and it was like, oh, he might one day when, be prior like Prior him. to the, the recasting that brought us Michael Muti. Well, Chris Ingen was okay until he didn't want to kiss a dude. And I was, you know, he was okay. He would have never been iconic. He would have never was, been. He would yeah. never have been uh, Michael no, Muti. He now. was. He was. He was okay. But you know, yeah, Michael Muni put his foot into that role, and then Justin Hartley was. Well, great. yeah, Michael Muni made it as an I, I, as need, iconic so that Adam they, could. Yeah, they don't need Justin. Adam to return from the dead. What if they really wanted? They yes, should do it I'm, with Noah. I'm so influenced by Emmerdale and its realism. And let's talk you know, about Emmerdale. No, 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 no. Wait, but I'm just saying, if they really wanted to be awesome, storytelling wise. People need to pay for their crimes. Jeopardy needs to be brought back. I think, and it Chloe, can't be. It can't be. This is my all-time biggest example of people not paying. What they did on all my children and Babe's mom went to jail for a short amount of time to pay for Babe's oh, crimes. No, I'm not talking about. No, like, but I'm just saying they. If you're going to make jail sentences and things, make them last. I'm not talking about jail sentences. I'm talking about true retribution. I'm talking about the human pound of flesh. On Emmerdale, which we will be talking about in a minute, um, when Chastity Dingle slept with her niece, Debbie's boyfriend, Debbie tied her up in a barn and tortured her and almost killed her. But Kane, uh, who is Debbie's father, and Chastity's uh, brother got there and saved his sister in time by faking his daughter out, by basically making her believe that his sister deserved to die. And he's like, oh, 
They do stuff like that a lot on that show. That's what I want to see on The Young and the Restless. I don't want to see Adam return from the dead. I want... Um, this is what I really want. I'll be honest. I want Paul Williams to get a call and for him to go out to that... Um, I used to do quality assurance for the Department of the Army. So I was at an explosion aftermath. We, we had to do a mapping of the territory and body parts were on the agenda. Like we were doing recovery um, because an explosion had happened and I found someone's shoe. You want to talk about whoa moment? I'm just going to be real. I want Paul to get a call because some local in that area found a piece of a leg. They go out, bag that leg, go in and do a DNA test, and it's Adam. It is beyond it, a and shadow. Then, of and then, if they really wanted to do it, you could almost do it like in Vancouver a few years ago. There was the there kept being these feet washing up on the beaches of things. You could have Adam's parts of Adam washing up no, for I like six I, months. No, 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 I don't need no, I don't need all that. I just need <laughs> some form of of uh, physical, you know, bone and flesh that can be a DNA test. And then, because let's just be real, they didn't even grieve Adam because they are th- they wrote it to where, oh, well, we're just going to assume he's not dead. So Chelsea, you know, is the merriest widow ever flirting with Nick. I need for them to have real stakes to stories. So I need for them to discover a piece of Adam's leg, and I need for it to be driven home to Victor and to Chelsea that this man is dead. No, it, no. Not, it needs to be a part of his leg so he can't come back as Philip no, on Philip on days. No, you being silly. I'm being real. And then that needs to lead to a really gritty, powerful story where Chelsea learns the truth that her best friend, her business partner, this woman who has been in her house eating her food, playing with her baby, playing with Adam's baby, is the woman who did this. And I need for Chelsea to not let Chloe know that she knows. And then I need for her to knock the shit out of Chloe with one of those tacky Pier 1 Imports set decorations in that penthouse. And I need for her to drag her ass back out to that area where she did that to Adam and chain her to a tree and get ready to torture her and just let into her about how sick she is and how the fact because i'm sorry chloe is a monster now adam did what he did and it was an accident it has been well proven and established that it was an accident people die in traffic accidents all the time what chelsea did was premeditated murder i'm not chelsea uh chloe they're so interchangeable now chloe did premeditated murder now i don't want chelsea to kill her I want so uh, that is when Kevin and Paul and Nick get there to stop Chelsea from killing her and letting her do justice. And then you have Chloe go on trial for the murder of Adam Newman and it really be treated like a huge OJ Simpson style trial. Fashionista murders uh captain of industry who accidentally killed her baby. And then you have a huge realistic trial. That's another thing I've been noticing on Emmerdale. The trials are realistic. They do these, you know, they have. You mean they don't have tumors in jars? 
Exactly. It's you don't you know you there's none of this. Everybody just testifying when they want to willy nilly. Mike would love this because I know that drives Mike crazy. But they need to do a real. And then you have Christine going for the death penalty because this is not another because Chloe is not insane. Insanity would be I snapped and hit you over the head with a tire iron. Chloe did that was premeditated and and that would be a huge story. You have Paul saying, "Come on, this is Esther's kid. I watched her grow up." And Cricket being like, "No, she we have to set an example in this town that these people cannot just take the law into their own hands." And I owe Chelsea um the the victim's family to seek the death penalty. And then you have Esther and Kevin doing everything they can and you tear that family apart. You tear that town apart. You know, you bring back Gloria and Jeff, have them back together and married, and you have them having to deal with this because Jeff is Chloe's, I mean, is uh, Chelsea's father. Gloria is- And at this point, Kevin. Michael's the DA? No, 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 Michael's not the DA. Michael would be, Ket, would be Michael would be Chloe's attorney. You know, and you, you know, you have these, this family having to deal with this. And then you have Chelsea rip into Victor. This is all your fault. Adam would not be in jail if it wasn't for In jail you. or dead? Well, dead. Well, yeah, he wouldn't have even been in jail, in jail to have to escape. None of this would have happened. And Eric Braden has to fucking take those characters ripping into Victor. I love Eric Braden. He is, I'm so glad that he is still on that show because he is a force to be reckoned to. But I'm going to tell you, I read an interview with him in Digest this weekend that made me roll my eyes all the way into the top of my head where it almost got stuck. He wouldn't call out Chuck Pratt for his writing, saying, you know, I, this is a really hard job and I don't want to diss anyone for, you know, talking about the, it's one of the hardest jobs ever. But the only thing he mentioned as a quote that bothered him in this last, you know, couple of years, he was like, I don't want to talk about specifics of what bothered me. But he, then he did talk about a specific. It bothered him that the Newman family testified him because Eric Braden wouldn't put up with this. Honey, you are not Vic. You are Victor, but Victor is a character. And those writers have to be able to tell a fucking story that makes sense. Yes, it made sense for the first time ever for the Newmans to go after Victor because he hired a doppelganger to replace another human being. That is something that would make your family turn against you. I'm sorry, Eric. You should have spoken out when they told you. Look, you have a right to speak out. Speak out when they tell you, we're going to have Victor hire a doppelganger to replace Jack Abbott. That is the time to speak out and say, I will not put up with this. Because if you allow that type of story or if they put that type of story on TV you have to then be able to have recompense and for people to say what you did is bad and then they backtracked and had Nikki crawl through broken glass to beg for forgiveness for testifying against him for let's remember hiring a doppelganger to replace another human being he did make a good point that when Bill Bell was writing the show he realized early on that Victor had to have some goodness in him. When, you know, let's just be real. When Victor debuted, he was feeding, you know, he not when he debuted immediately, but when he found out that his wife was having an affair with another man. Yes, we all know this. And every hack writer since the beginning of time has used this to justify when they want to do something stupid with Victor. Well, he fed that guy rats. Yes, he fed that guy rats back when Eric 
Braden was supposed to be a short-term villain on the show. Bill Bell was not thinking of him as the Victor Newman who would marry Nikki and go on to be his most popular character ever. Just like Luke Spencer was meant to come to Port Charles, help Bobby torment Laura for a little while, and then probably be killed off, when Gloria Monty found out that Tony Geary could act his spiral perm off, she shifted. So much so that it was like, well, we're going to shift the rape and, you know, we're going to call that a seduction. When Bill Bell realized, oh, Eric Braden is a really good actor and, he, and women find him sexy, he stopped feeding people rats and he became a captain of industry. Every When Maria, Maria started this whole Victor being batshit crazy again and every time I would suss out from my sources, why is this happening? Well, Maria's like, well, you know, Victor once fed a guy rats. And that has been the, after all the other things Victor has done on this show, that should not be the theme that you remember. I remember Victor as the suave, powerful captain of industry who seduced Ashley Abbott. Well, not really seduced. He comforted her while she had, after she had her mental breakdown after learning who her real daddy was, and she recuperated on his ranch, and they fell in love. I remember the Victor who did the damn, um, that Audrey Hepburn movie uh, with Nikki, uh, really, Pygmalion. You know, he turned... You know, they say you can't turn a hoe into a housewife. Victor did it. He did it. He took Nikki off that stripper pole and turned her into a lady and fed her strawberries, or as the ghetto folks will say, strawberries in bed and showed her what a life of diamonds and furs could be like after you had been out there shaking your shimmy. You know, that's the Victor that fans fell in love with. That's the Victor that Aretha Franklin was so in love with that she would always be going on the... um. Soap Opera Digest Awards, loving to gush about, I bet Rita ain't watching no more because they don't turn Victor into a cartoon. And I want Eric to speak out because sometimes change can only happen when the powers that be speak out. Look and what Eric Slezak did. Slezak. Oh, yeah, and y'all listen to Brandon's Buzz. They had a really good interview with Erica Slezak, by the way. But damn it, speak out, Eric. When you're being told, we're going to have Victor bring in a doppelganger from El Segundo or somewhere, not El Segundo, Nicaragua, wherever he was from, and replace Jack. That's when you beat Eric Braden. That's when you headbutt that writer. You hear me? So, unless, unless it's a woman. Don't headbutt a woman. But you should have headbutted Chuck when he told you that he was going to do that bullshit. And, and Eric out, will headbutt. <laughs> don't come out and speak out about the children. That's, of course, your children and your wife, Victor's children and wife, the fictional character, should hate that. Jack raised Victor's children. So you not understanding why they would be appalled by that is absurd. And the stupid reasoning that Pratt gave that Phyllis and Billy sick the damn virus on you. Why don't Victor and them just buy Norton antivirus? This is so stupid. Now we got another hacking story with this damn show. But Chuck Pratt, see, that's the thing. Omarosa said it best. I'm going to tell y'all about white privilege, and I'm going to be real here for a minute. When Omarosa was on Bethany's show, she told her, you can get a show like this just for being average and basic, but a sister got to do two times as much to get crumbs. I'm going to just be real. Chuck Pratt is a living, breathing example of white motherfucking privilege because Lee Daniels has hired him to write his new black-ass soap opera when his hack-ass 
damn near tanked the Young and the Restless and did tank all my children. Ain't nobody over there at Lee Daniels watching the Young and the Restless, watching these damn storylines about, yeah, and I'm bitter, I'm a thick. Go on and tweet it. Yeah, I'm bitter. I'm bitter about it. Because well, you sitting up here doing this hack bullshit, fill us in this stupid-ass little office. You know, um, Jack is supposed to be the equivalent of... Uh, the the damn Estee Lauder heirs or something like that. Do you really think a wife of Ralph, one of Ralph Lauren's sons is going to settle for a divorce settlement where she gets a damn broom closet and running around, sneaking around on people's laptops? That's the dumbest story I've ever seen in my life for a divorce. Pay attention to the real world. People are sitting up here looking at George Clooney and his glamorous wife going off in the world and trying to fight the Taliban and stuff, and they're putting her in danger. And then you got Brad and Angelina breaking up. I'm not saying all soap operas should be mirroring that, because all soap operas are not supposed to be glamorous. A lot of them are rooted in the kitchen sink drama, and they should be, and there should always be the haves and the have-nots. But The Young and the Restless is known for being that soap that made you care about glamour and look into the lives of wealthy, glamorous people. Um... So when I have a, a wealthy, question. glamorous woman gets a divorce from a multimillionaire, she doesn't walk away with a settlement that gives her a stupid job. So, Jamie, you mentioned the fact that it was some of the stupidest thing you ever seen in soaps. I'm pretty sure on Twitter you said that Emmerdale had the best climax you've ever seen in soaps. What happened? Okay, I got to give a little bit of context here, because yes, y'all know that I fell down the rabbit hole about two months ago from watching um, Rob Ron clips. Rob Ron is Emmerdale's gay super couple, uh, Robert Sugden and Aaron Dingle. Well, probably about, well, I guess a month, maybe six weeks ago, I finished, I caught up with wherever those YouTube clips. I watched like, two years worth of storylines specific to that, to their story cut uh, into like 500 videos. I'm talking about, I would stay up all night long and I will readily admit that the malaise that has settled over us daytime soaps definitely inspired it. It, you know, I've said it before watching those, just those videos. I was like, wow, this is an oasis in the desert. I could not believe the lack of sentimentality, the lack of glad um, interference, and, oh, we have to make a positive portrayal of gays. I'm like, these were the least positive gays you would well, ever to be find. fair, people were not happy when they had the gay serial killer on One Life to Live. I know, but I'm just saying, we get these, even when we get a good one, we get these... I mean, I, I, yeah, I mean, I, nothing compares what I've watched, nothing I've watched in daytime since, well, yes, Agnes Nixon with Bianca's coming out was the last thing that compared, uh, I'm for real, not wow. Kish, Luke and Noah, nothing has compared to this story for me in terms of a gay story for a daily soap opera, where you have a married man, you know, turning a townie, you know, petty. So is this still thief. Rob Ron or is this someone yeah, else? Okay. Into, you know, into his, basically his 
mysterious and all of the carnage and chaos that ensued. So anyway, I've already talked about that. Love it, love it, love, love that couple. So about six weeks ago, I started watching full episodes of the show. And anyone who knows me and how I feel about this, I am the world's biggest proponent for don't you be buying Tyler Perry movies at the grocery store. That's wrong. People deserve <laughs> how many I, how I, many episodes have you guy. like I been download guy. streaming on the download, Jamie? And then you know, people would tell me, well you can watch it on this BitTorrent site, this or that. And I would be like, no, I don't believe in that because you know that's a product and people should get paid. Well Daytime let's just Confidential think. does not endorse we do well, well, well one of the hosts may be doing it. The and business, the business does not endorse no. this. And that's why I have not tweeted a link, mostly because I don't want my link to get zapped. <laughs> but people have been asking me, well, what are you watching? I'm like, I can't tell y'all that. It's like you got to find it your damn self. But all you got to do is Google the name of the soap and you will, you know. Google the name of the soap and that don't, no, 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 do not give any instructions, Jamie. I'm not doing anything bad. Look, which one of us has a journalism? I do I not want to be responsible for no, any I'm type just, of. I'm not telling anybody where to go. I'm saying if you happen to want to see it, just Google the name of the show and that day's date and look at your Google feed and something might pop up to show you options you will have and to now watch and now all the things. people who are who who are streaming it are going to have their things turned well, off no anyway no they won't no they won't Ain't nobody listening to us look the show look emmerdale retweeted me on their timeline anyway to their 1.1 million viewers so or followers anyway so i started watching about six weeks ago and i will say in the beginning i was a bit frustrated Mostly it was like, Luke, I felt like, you know, all the shit I've given you for almost a decade for not knowing soap history and this and that. I was like, who are these people? Who are all these random people? Because I knew Rob and Aaron and everybody connected to their story. I knew Chaz was Aaron's mama, who is like, oh, she's so awesome. I love her. And, you know, I knew Diane was Robert's stepmama. And I knew that Adam was... um. Aaron's best friend and that he was with Victoria who was Robert's sister and I knew that Katie Katie was the nosy hoe who was trying to out him and so she got slung through a floor like she deserved because she shouldn't be nosy and I know that Chrissy was Robert's I mean yeah Robert's wife who he was cheating on and I knew Locke so I knew all the people in their story so when I started watching the full episodes I was confused it was like I felt like how I how you must feel uh, when I'm ripping you about not knowing the history of a certain daytime soap or whatever, I was like, well, who are all these people? And, you know, because Ro even though Robert and Aaron are extremely popular, that is one thing that you do find with UK soaps that is similar to US soaps. It's like they weren't heavy in story at the time, but they had just wrapped up a huge story with Aaron's um, reveal that his father had you know, raped him repeatedly as a, a boy and his father went to prison and, and subsequently died in prison. And then he gets stuck with um, this annoying little sister who I've come to like. But at first I was like, here we go. Even the UK soaps got to give people gabies because a lot of their stories started being centered around that little girl. And I was like, uh-uh, uh-uh. And the show is so chaste too with their sex scenes. And I'm like, when am, that's one thing. I'm like, I need a kish style love scene between them, but they don't really do that. Um, on Emmerdale. So 
I started watching the full episodes and the stories were about people named Dan and Carrie. And I'm like telling you, I mean, these are like the most realistic people that you would see in any small town. Like Dan is a mechanic and Carrie works at a beauty parlor, I believe. And, you know, he before I started watching, he had kissed somebody else and that pissed her off. So she slept with this guy named Ross Barton. Oh my God, is he fine? Anyway, so she slept with him and, um, you know, and has been lying all this time and feeling guilty about it. And she had an abortion and Dan found out about it. He never found out Rob, I mean, Ross works with him at this. Um, so he never found out that Ross was the father? Not yet. Uh, he hasn't yet. So that was one of the stories going on. And then there was this other story about this guy and I'm gonna be honest I thought he was I thought I was like do they have a white supremacist on here because there's this guy who is like bald right and he has no all bald people are apparently white supremacists well I was like well is he a white supremacist and but he (laughs) he wasn't lump them all together why don't you they all look the same to you look when I see somebody with a skinned head, my look, my stranger danger meter goes off. So for a while, I was like, I like the character. His name is David. So um, I was like, why is he that bald? Come to find out, he had testicular cancer. So I was like, oh, and they shaved his head. You know, if you remember Michael Baldwin's recent cancer story on, there was no uh, shaving of a head. No, he had a full head of hair. This actor. Shay, you know, I've also been watching this show Loose Women um, on the UK every time they talk about Emmerdale. So when they did it, every time they do a story, they do all this research and they actually want it to impact the real life. So they were like, we really want this cancer story to be realistic. So, you know, he shaves his head, he shaves his eyebrows. and But he was in this romance with this crazy lady named Tracy. And so Tracy's daddy came back into her life, right? And he was from prison. You know, he had been to prison and he always favored her other sister over her. So there was a lot of like kind of a comic rivalry between those two. And then there'd been. So anyway, so what happened this week? Because I'm lost. I know. So, yeah, I'm saying all this. And if I'm lost, most other people probably are. too. No, I'm saying all this to say. So I got hooked on the video clips that basically cut out any minutia and just hit you with the heat of the Aaron Robert story. So for the last six weeks, I kind of got to know the rest of Emmerdale. And at first I was like, I don't know if I'm going to like this. But slowly but surely, I started getting hooked on other stories. And many of the stories converged this past week. So um, one of the characters named Ashley, who is the town vicar, has been suffering from dementia. And that story has been coming to a climax with him basically being in the end stages of dementia. He has a new baby with his wife, Laurel. So that's, you know, extra tragic that it's like you have a new baby and you're dying of dementia. So Robert and Aaron um, have kind of been become happily domesticated. um, But Robert's old sister-in-law, Bex, came to town, Chrissy's sister. And you thought that she hated Robert for cheating on Chrissy with a bloke. But you quickly found out that Bex and Robert were in cahoots because Robert is trying to take down his ex-wife. A bloke, huh? Yes, uh, sorry, uh, I, I love so that. I these, love that. After yeah. all these years of you making fun of my British television watching, you're now trying to like <laughs> pull off the vernacular. 
as a southern black man. Oh, I love, you know, blokes and birds and crazy cows. Anytime they How many times has the dictionary worked for you? Oh, when it when I first started, I didn't understand. I was like, "Why do they keep saying it's down to me?" And then I was like, "Oh, they're meaning it's it's all on me." <laughs> you know, whenever they get into an argument. Yeah, like, you called me up and it's like you were talking about. It's like you've never heard that before, and I'm like, like, "No," I, and you were like, "No." The thing I I've watched, you know, Downton Abbey. Prop uh, you high English. Yes, I understand. You know, I know Queen's having English. problems with, with Downton Abbey or Game of Thrones, but these people talk like Madonna's husband's uh, Guy Ritchie movies sometimes. Oh, okay. So especially, you could go back. I was just giving you a hard time, you know, but you can go back. Especially Aaron, who is one of my favorite characters. Like, Robert speaks the Queen's English. But Eric, I mean, not Eric, Aaron, I would be like, what the hell is he saying? You know, because the Dingles are more... They're trash. Let's just be real. They're trash. <laughs> so anyway, um, I ended up getting hooked on all these other stories, um, and a lot of them converged um, this past week. Aaron overheard Lachlan threatening to lie. Lachlan is Robert's ex-stepson, and he heard him telling Robert that he was going to lie and say that Robert molested him. Luke, every other day I'm like, is this really happening? on a soap opera like you would never get this like the network notes look they'd be they would they would break their pencils in the u.s if if someone said we're gonna have um one but one one matter of context though isn't emmerdale still airing in prime time as opposed to daytime but it's daily and it's well i I know but but you could see that storyline in prime time here in the u.s as opposed to but Daytime. as I said, they're really they're way more chaste with their sex scenes for men and women than U.S. daytime. And I'll be real, I will tr- I would if there was a if I was asked, Jamie, would you rather have U.S. you know more realistic sex scenes or would you have rather have really great storytelling with chaste sex scenes? Give me the good storytelling because. Robert and Aaron you heard are, it here, folks. First, folks, after so 10 funny. years of being on this podcast and Jamie liking the pink little nubbins and all this other stuff, yeah, he's finally barely, giving it up. They barely show any type of, you know, I mean, there's just a bunch of kissing and making out. But anyway, so back to the stories that converge, because I know I'm going all over the place, because we will be talking about Emmerdale for a while. I'm even going to be blogging about it. But um, so the stories that converged, Ashley the Vicar has dementia. And it's his kid's christening. Aaron overhears Lachlan threatening to lie and say that he was molesting, um, that Robert was molesting him. And Aaron wigs out and kidnaps him. This is all at the same time that Robert is wanting to propose to Aaron. Robert While still who married? That? No, he's divorced. They've been okay. divorced. But Robert, um, who up until this point has not even verbally admitted to being you know, bisexual. He hates being called gay. He hates gay bars. Uh, he does like Cher, and Aaron doesn't like Cher, and that broke my heart. I'm like, damn it. But, um, you know, Sharon, so that's... Wait, wait, pay, just to clarify, Cher in a character or Cher in other Cher, stuff? Cher, oh no, Luke, Cher. Oh, if I, I thought you kept back, saying Sharon, and I was like, was that an earlier Cher, character, or is no, this some no, sort of, no, like, sex club thing? So... So that so their story is climaxing with that. Um, um, there's this love triangle between 
Patty, who is Aaron's father figure, he's a he's the town vet. Um, he cheated on some. He cheated on Rona, his wife, with some other woman before I started watching, and they did a U.S. soap thing that's very typical that Rona and Pierce got together. Pierce was the partner of the woman Patty slept with, so you, you know we've seen that a lot in in U.S. soaps. But Pierce is this slimy lawyer. Um, who, like, I didn't know that Patty had, like, when I was all, oh, I hate this Pierce. Well, then when I found out that Patty slept with his woman, I'm like, oh, well, that's why that Pierce is such an asshole. So they had a huge fight, um, Rona and Pierce, because Pierce cannot deal with the fact that she's still so tight with Patty or that Patty's still involved in their lives. And Patty, um, while they were out on holiday, you know, because in Britain they go on holiday, and it's not like... Fourth of July or anything, they call holiday a vacation. So while they were on holiday, Patty broke into the house and trashed it. So Patty's had a hard time dealing with Rona and Pierce. But Patty is best friends with Marlon, and it's not Marlon like we would say, it's Marlon. But Marlon and Rona have a baby together. Which I'm like, damn, Rona, you'll just be haunching everybody. So they were going He's on a tad. camping trip. Well, yeah, they were going on a camping trip. Well, they, Marlon and Patty kind of remind me of their dynamic is like Philip and Rick because Philip and Rick on God and Light used to hunt each other's women, but then they were still best friends. So it's kind of like that, except they're just normal looking people. <laughs> That's one thing about Emmerdale. Everybody looks so normal. I mean, not everybody. You know, Robert and Aaron are gorgeous and Chrissy's gorgeous. And, you know, there are definitely good looking people in town, but there's really a lot of just normal, everyday looking people. And, you know, for years, I would say, I don't want to look at normal people on soaps. And I don't want to look at poor people on soaps. Emmerdale has made me throw out all of that BS. This show is so much more interesting, and it's just about farmers and petty thieves and, you know, people who own a candy so factory. So here's a question. Is it possible that the reason why it's so interesting is the fact that the stakes aren't so over the top? It isn't epic corporate battles or international spies with masks or the WSB is it possible that the reason why it's able to be so successful is because they're just telling such a smaller story I will say this because that was something I was tweeting about a lot early on but you know it, it I will never forget the moment that I because I kept going they don't do anything stupid like US subs they don't do anything over the top they don't do anything and then I'm watching the video clip and uh of the, of the Chris, helicopter cash. Chrissy causes a helicopter. To fall well, no, but, but even still, even the way you head. described it to me, I haven't watched it, but the way no. you described it to me, that's still about a very small they community of what's happened. It's yes. not like it's an internet. It's not like people are jetting no, around the world do. and doing all the other yeah. stuff that we're so accustomed to. They do not, you know, I don't know if they've done it in the past because apparently a lot of the fans have been tweeting me the, the wealthy home, the, the, Wealthy people on the show always live in this one farm. What's it called? Um, home farm. So basically, that's I guess a it's, totally original name. Everybody's house has a name. That's well, no, I no, I get that because, like, I've always thought if I ever uh, owned a house, no, because I'm talking about even poor people's houses. No, names. I'm saying like when I like if I lived if I lived in the country like a farm or something, there would be a name for this my little cottage okay, or whatever. Well, home farm, but that's partly because I, mean, I love British stuff. Yeah, well, Home Farm, historically, according to the people who know it better than me, and I'm so at a loss like that. I'm like, I don't know how to deal with not knowing everything. But um, the wealthy people have It hurts to not be a know-it-all, huh? 
Well, I do my research, though. See, you don't be doing research. But, um, Ten you know. years, it's worked for me. <laughs> Thank you. Yeah, thank you, Jamie. But anyway, no. So, um, yeah, I mean, there, no, there, the people like, okay, so a lot of the poor people in town work at the Sharma's candy factory. So the Sharma's own, you know, they're a wealthy Indian American, I mean, not Indian American, Indian British family, and they own a candy factory. And, you know, to be fair to the U.S. soaps, when you look at the history of like the Young and the Restless, Chancellor Industries used to just be a mill. And, you know, Jill Foster's mother worked at that factory that Cap- that Catherine's husband owned. And then in the 80s, you know, probably, well, not probably, definitely influenced by the popularity of Dallas and Falcon Crest and Dynasty. Next thing you know, all the soap towns had billion-dollar corporations. And I have to give a shout-out to Roger Newcomb of We Love Soaps fame, because he and I used to fight, oh, well, you know, lovingly fight, argue about that all the time. Roger would say, you know, the daytime soap opera really started going off the rails when all of these billionaire corporations started coming to every town. Now, Roger's just a wee bit older than me, so he remembered when they were, you know, the U.S. soaps were about, you know, Bert and Mavis and all these women sitting around coffee tables talking about, oh, I don't know what's going to happen if Kit doesn't propose, doesn't accept Dan's proposal. And I would be like, oh, you know. Well, we saw what what happened with Guiding Light when they tried to go back to that in the later years. I was like, because, you know, I grew up on, you know, even the poor people on Days of Our Lives looked fabulous. Like the Bradys were supposed to be working class, but Kayla and Kim had more sequin gowns than the law allowed. So, you know, even the working class. It was class, the 80s. Everyone had sequin gowns. Yeah, you know, the only, I will say the only working class family on a soap that I can truly say Snyder's. I enjoyed. Mm-mm, I didn't enjoy that. That woman talking about that damn what she always fix a squash or something. I was like, can we cut back to Lucinda? <laughs> no. I, well, I like holding, look, I like farm boys. I like holding them. But no, I didn't want to hear about Emma and on that farm. I didn't like that. I did like Charlene and them on Another World, the frames. But on the frames, Day, The frames, like if I'm remembering correctly, the frames didn't stay poor for long. Well, most of them did. I mean, not poor, but I mean, Charlene married a doctor. But, um, and you know, Stephen, Steve Frame was self-made, but. So back to Emmerdale, though. Yeah, I mean, yeah, there's not a lot of, you know, no, there aren't any. There are no billionaires or no, you know, they make their money in the people who are wealthy, which really it's just the whites and the, the Sharmas who are wealthy. I think Bernice, who owns the, beauty salon she looks polished so she might have some ducats but you know it's there is no newman enterprises or any of that so back to this week so there were major stories climaxing there's also the barton family who emma barton 30 years ago she went crazy and tried to kill one of her kids I guess she tried to drown him or something because she found out that her husband, James, was in love with his sister-in-law, Moira. And Moira is chesty. She has big boobs. And, you know, she's a farm lass. And she talks like this. And so... And what happened this week? So Moira 
she just lost her baby, Holly. Holly had the heroin addiction. And everybody thought Holly was doing good. Holly was dating Jay Sharma and stuff. And so Myra went up there to see my Holly, and Holly was dead. And I'm talking about Luke. There's no U.S. soap like there's going to be some loud music that lets you know you're about to, you know, to try to evoke your emotion. She's just up there, get up, sleepyhead, you better get up. And that heifer was just dead to the world. She wasn't getting up no more. She was gone to glory. She was gone to the great soap in the sky. Well, at least we know that if they do end up bringing American rights, they don't have to worry about music soundtracks. Oh, yeah. Well, now, they do use a lot of popular music, but they just use it on the radio. Like, someone will be listening to Cher or something like that. They don't do... You know, bold and the beautiful type bullshit where you having a memory and then you have to go and you look off. None of that cheesy shit anymore. They don't do that. They don't do that. Look off into the wilderness when they have a memory. They're like normal people. They tell you my father molested me and they burst into tears because it's emotional or they have they share a memory. They don't look off into the distance and then we see waves crashing and all that just i'm just i'm so over it but um so this week several people were all on the road because of their various storylines like i said the rona patty kirk storyline i mean rona patty pierce story climaxed with pierce showing up to apologize for rona to rona for the argument that they had been in and he sees her hugging patty and he misinterprets it and he gets in the car to rush off and pa- and you know rona calls for patty to help you know drive her to catch him so they're on the road ashley who has the dementia is on the road because he thinks he missed his baby's christening but he actually had attended the baby's christening but he has the dementia and so they were all you know the people his loved ones left him by himself so he was like i'm late for the next I'm thing we know uh, you're gonna be that you're gonna that's gonna be the, like the sugar so he yeah he's got the dementia and he's on his way on the highway and i'm like oh lord he gonna cause a wreck because he got the dementia and so the gay boys are in the car with this with lachlan tied up in the back seat because that's what they do on this show they fuck you up like when you do something to piss them off they tie you up and they take you somewhere they beat the shit out of you i love it i love it but you know during all of this robert finally admits to aaron that he's bisexual which i'm like well you've been screwing him for two years so i think he didn't need you to say it out loud but okay he finally said it a lot of fans were pissed off though because they told this really powerful in my opinion backstory about how robert's daddy who uh, his daddy was like the show's first protagonist. Um, and I guess he was super beloved. And he basically said his daddy, he was like, we had this lad on the farm when I was 15 and my dad caught us together and he leathered me and he fired the lad. And so that was why he was, you know, he was like, I was such a disappointment to him. So, that Just didn't like, actually happen on screen. That did not actually happen. And uh, a lot of people were tweeting me. Well, Jamie, you know, Jonathan, shout out to Jonathan, who used to blog for us. He begged me for years to get into Jonathan's a good guy. He is. And he was the first to be like, you should really watch these shows, Jamie. And I was like, I don't want to watch a bunch of shows about poor people, Jonathan. But he, Jonathan was right. But Jonathan was like, see, Jamie, even UK soaps can do retcons and my thing is because someone else wrote at me you know so you know it can be over the top too maybe so and i will readily admit that the I last guess i don't five... get what the over the top part of this is well no 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 what i'm saying I'm confused. it wasn't over the top it was uh, people got pissed off 
because they retconned history. Oh. And my thing is. So what happened? So all these people are on the road, and what happened? Because yeah, I'm, I'm no, like, I'm I, getting I, I really I confused here. I want to address here. this because people have been tweeting me about this. Yes, I'm sure that longer people who've been watching longer have way more gripes than me, and I'm sure I'll end up having gripes too because, like, Emmerdale is welcome I mean, to I, my you know, life. Empire has already, the you know, I love Empire, but the shine is off Empire for me, too. So I'm sure six months from now I won't love Emmerdale as much as I do now. But I will admit, it is just, like, refreshing. I'm like, y'all are complaining about um, them basically revealing that a farmer was a homophobe? And I'm like, that kind of sounds like it would probably be accurate to me. I'm like, no, a retcon you get mad about is, oh, Victor and Deimos really love the same woman who just happened to look like Nicole. Don't talk to me about <laughs> Or if a character that was once a woman is recast by a, yeah. a popular actor, actor as a man. Yeah. Don't, don't talk to me about that when I have to suddenly believe Nicky Newman had a baby with a with Paul. You know, okay. So we didn't, y'all didn't see a scene where he, you know, his daddy reacted to his bisexuality. That ain't nothing. Ain't nobody on this show had no mask on. Ain't nobody had no doppelganger. Holly didn't, you know, Helena didn't drug Holly with heroin so that she can come back as a robot. I'm good. I'm good. I'm just really good right now with this show. So, yes. So, the gay boys get back on the road, and they have the kidnapped (laughs) boy in the car. Jamie, I hate to tell you this, but I really feel like you have gone down Luke Weed Road on this to try and oh, tell I the story. I feel like to... I'm like, get to the point, Jamie. Get to the I point. Because right. well, I'm sitting I'm here, I'm like, give... we've we've had this I'm trying now. trying to give context. Okay, I appreciate that you're doing that, but Jamie, get to the point. Okay. Because so you're about people... to make me want to chuck Emmerdale. <laughs> no. All these people are on the same road. And then you have, okay, so Emma. Emma, like I told you, she tried to kill her son 30 years ago, but now she's been back and she's been normal and she's reunited with her three sexy, sexy, fucking sexy sons. And she and the dad are getting married, but he's still in love with Chesty Moira. And so Ross knows this. And Ross and the daddy had been having problems with this. And they were the boys were helping their mom and daddy move into Wiley Farm. And Daddy fell down the stairs because <laughs> Ross jerked away from him. Just shut up and let me get to the Get point. to the point, Jamie. <laughs> so Ross ended, I mean, so Daddy ended up in the hospital with a broken leg. And Ross confronts him about loving Chesty Moira. And Mama, crazy Mama, crazy-ass Mama overheard it. She was in. She went to the bathroom and started crying. But then she came back and was like, I'm going to take care of you. No one else is going to need you to be, you know, no one, you're not going to need anyone else. So... For a week or so, Mama had him off to the farm by herself, and she was drugging his ass, see, with some morphine. And the cat ate some of the food that she was drugging him with, and the cat died. And so he started realizing, oh, shit, this bitch is crazy, and she is not trying to let me out of here. So, I feel like we're we're on the verge of everybody got in a car accident. So this bitch tied his ass up to a chair. And was like, I'ma feed your ass, bitch. And so she burned the pot roast. And she was like, it's right. And so she grabs this big ass cleaver. And he's like, you don't have to do this, Emma. And so Emma goes out, yes, I do. Oh, and she in her wedding dress, by the way. So she gets a damn She baked a roast in a wedding dress? 
Yes, she crazy. That's what crazy people do, Luke. See, we ain't used to crazy. No, but well, Lindsay on One Life to Live was pretty nuts. But yeah, yeah. so she goes out there and gets this chicken and cuts this chicken's head off, and it's chicken blood all over her wedding dress. So long story short, he gets free and busts her upside the head with a wine bottle, and he basically makes it to the highway with his broke leg yelling, somebody help me, help me. And then he turned around and her ass done found him. So the gays are on the road driving. The love triangle uh, with Patty and all them, like Patty and Rona are following Pierce. The man with the dementias is driving too. Was that all of them on the road? Yeah. Okay. Even so, if it isn't, you let's stay here because you're you're. So, this is way too much. So and then they do it all week long from everybody's different perspective to make you guess who's gonna die. And I'm talking about they mess with my nerves so much. I was like, oh please don't let Aaron or Robert die. Y'all always ruining gay stuff. Don't ruin another gay story for me. Yeah. So anyway, he so Emma tracks James to this bridge that's over that's basically over the highway where everybody is driving on. And she confronts him again about loving Moira. And he is just like, bitch, will you leave me alone with your crazy ass? You have got to leave me the fuck alone. Damn it, you are off your... He calls her what? You're off your head again. So he's like telling her she can't be with the boys no more. And she's like, what about Moses? That's the grandbaby. He's like, you think Ross is going to let you anyone near him after what you've done? And so... He basically cons her one last time. He's like, I do love you, Emma, even after all this. And then I guess her bitch ass realized he lying. She said, you're lying! And so she pushed him. Now, she didn't mean to push him that hard. You could tell, because she was like, oh, shit. But she pushed his ass, and he went sailing off of that bridge in slow motion. So the man with dementia, Ashley, the sweet little vicar, he's driving up under the bridge, and James Barton crashed into Ashley's car, into the hood of the car. And the airbag deploys, spins him out of control. I'm talking, I couldn't even keep track of who was getting hit. Like, Pierce should not be alive. That's some bullshit. Pierce got hit by four times. Pierce got hit by one car one way, then another So the guy way. who got pushed off the bridge is still alive. No, James is dead, dead, dead. But, um, so... This causes, like, the most ridiculously insane... Like, I don't even want to drive right now, because I'm like, oh, what if... Well, considering that both you and I almost were in major accidents the same week. And then I watch this, I'm like, I am going to go back to riding bicycles like I was when I was 15. But So so Pierce (laughs) doesn't see the accident, and he has an accident. And then Patty and Myra... Uh, talking about, you know, having a joke about driving Miss Daisy and Patty takes his eyes off the road and Patty jackknifes and, you know, they flip that car about seven times and then the gay boys are in the car and Aaron is like fussing at Ross about being bisexual like, how do I know you're not gonna wanna get with some bud? And he's like, how do I know you're not gonna wanna get with another bloke? And he's like, I'm trying to propose to you if you would stop kidnapping people long enough and so this from the killer 
So you shut up. She deserved to die. She so, he but, still killed her. She was nosy. Quit being nosy and quit trying to out folks. Let that be a lesson for outers. You know, for people who ain't ready yet. People get a little nervous. So anyway, Aaron took his eyes off the road. I was you know, I forget who was. Get to Aaron. the point, Jamie. So Aaron takes <laughs> I've his never eyes had off. so much fun. I know. So Robert is trying to propose <laughs> to Aaron. And, and <laughs> yeah, you are getting paid back. So Aaron is like He's, wait, wait, wait. He's trying to propose while driving? Yes, because... What just, kind of fuckery is that? He's been trying to propose all day. He planned it perfectly. So got, you'd do this while you're driving? He has been He deserves to, to be in a car accident if he's doing that no, shit. No, he was trying... Look, Aaron kidnapped Lachlan, and he ruined it. Because, you know, Aaron did shouldn't have done that. And then they would have just had a nice proposal, and, you know, went on and had a big gay win. But... So Aaron and him are looking at each other, and he's like, Aaron, look out! And so, oh my God, I just knew they were dead. They broke, look, that show messed with my nerves. I'm about to go get some lisinopril because Aaron and Robert's damn car jackknifed, hydroplaned off the road. Aaron so it was raining Aaron. too? I don't know, it wasn't raining. Well, that's it usually just, what hydroplaning is. No, no, but they flew. That car went into the air, into a damn quarry. And I was like, oh, shit. So Aaron and them were in the car, and Robert was like, we can't try to open the doors until the pressure equalizes. And look, I don't why is that, Luke? You are, you know, you have you have useless random bullshit. I, so I why, don't know the answer to that. I would suspect it would car? have something to do with combustion. Oh, okay. So... Aaron was like, I'm trapped. I can't get out of here. And this is what's so funny because Aaron is like a G. He's a little badass. Let me tell you. He started get crying. Get to the like point, Jamie. He started crying like a little girl. He's like, oh. And I'm like, damn, Aaron is really scared. So Robert was like, I'm not going to lose you. And so he's trying to free him from the steering wheel. And he can't free him. And, you know, they got the little boy in the trunk. So you're like, oh, God, the gay's going to die. And I'm like, see, I just knew. I was like, they're going to kill him. They're going to kill him because that's how my life works. Every time I love something, I lose it. Just like Terry and soul food. But anyway, so next thing you know, Robert is uh, swimming up to under the sea. <laughs> yeah, he swims up with Aaron. And you're like, oh, my God, he saved him. And Adam and Victoria were on the road because they were looking for the man with the dementias, trying to help out with him. And so, you know, Adam is Aaron's best friend, so he was all crying. Oh, I get to save Aaron. And Victoria loves Aaron, too, and Victoria's Robert's sister. So they get the water out of Aaron's body. And so you think, oh, Aaron is chill. So Robert dives back in to save that little bastard Lachlan who was locked in the boot. See, they say the boot, Luke, not the trunk. But Lachlan's I'm aware of this, Jamie. Luke Lachlan's a bitch ass had already gotten out, bastard. So Robert gets out with his chest all wet, and he's like, "If Aaron dies, I'm coming for you." So Aaron goes off to the hospital. So then you get back to Patty and Myra and Pierce. So Pierce gets out of there, and, you know, it don't look good for Rona. Rona looked like she gone home to soap glory, too. And Patty is all, if you can save her, I'll never look at her again. She's yours. Just save her. I love Rona. And he's like, shut up. You don't get to say that, Patty. I love Rona. And so I'm like, y'all need to just get Rona bitch ass out the car. So they got Rona out the car. And Pierce at first was like, there's no one else in the car. So you thought that he was just going to let Patty die. But then his conscience got to him, and he was like, wait, there's someone else. So they get Pierce out the car. 
the man with the dementia just went off in the woods and laid down with a teddy bear. <laughs> so who died? Then, you know, Emma Barton, let me tell you about her. No, so get to, to the farm. point. Who died? She, Emma went back to her farm and stitched herself up and took off that wedding dress. And they rushed James to the hospital. And Emma was like, when her son Finn called, she was like, oh, your father was here? I'm being held hostage by Emmerdale. So everybody gets to the hospital and James is in mortal danger. Rona is in mortal danger. And then Aaron is in mortal danger. And it's like, oh, who's going to die? Who's going to die? And so then they cut to the funeral. You know, you're like, oh, who is it going to So they be? don't we, show who dies. They just cut they, to everybody around the, the coffin. No, well, they did. But then you start seeing who's at the funeral, which a lot of fans shaded that because they were like, oh, wait, Rona had a heart attack in the hospital, but she was well enough to go to the funeral. And Aaron was at the funeral. So all the other people you thought were going to die were at the funeral. So they they shouldn't have had them there. They should have had them still in the hospital. You know what? It made for such good drama to pan across because you're just like, oh, shit, who's it going to be? Who's it going to be? Who's it going to be? And then it's James. Which I'm like, okay, thank you for being realistic. Because if James had not died... Wait, wait, James is which one? James is the man who fell off the bridge. And I'm like... So they... Wait, wait, wait. I just endured all of that for them to kill the obvious person off. They didn't kill two people? No, they killed the obvious person. Because I was like, if he survived that, he was Helena. Because... (laughs) Okay. I'm going to have to have you email me the link to that. But I just went through that. 40 minutes of a description to find out that the guy who was supposed to die died? You have to watch the last two months of this show to understand why this was epic. Okay, all- I, I appreciate that, but I'm pretty sure that all of our listeners have not. A lot of them have. Do you read our sites? They've been trying to force us to watch UK soaps for years. I know. <laughs> I know we have fans. And let me tell you, the UK soap press. No, fuck that. The post-it, the U- post-it notes works for Jamie. <laughs> the UK press has gone crazy about this. Daily Mail and Metro, all of the, and Mira. I'm talking about major mainstream UK sites are losing their minds. Well, that would be the same story. thing that if Grey's Anatomy. I mean, I, I mean, I mean, since it's a primetime no. show, if it's a hit primetime show and but they're look, doing something. No, 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 no. You're missing that whole. Let me let me explain something to you. These are still considered soaps over there. They have primetime dramas. I just voted because they have a contest coming up. What was it? Oh, they have some national soap award. Look, I was waiting for the site to tell me, you ain't British. You can't vote for this. But they don't classify Emmerdale with, like, Downton Abbey or um, Casualty or anything like that. They are still considered the equivalent of our daily soaps. Yes, they air in prime time or early evening, 7 o'clock, really. Which here at that time, that's the when Wheel of Fortune is on. But so they aren't. They're not comparable to Grey's Anatomy. Your Doctor Who and all that are more peers because they're still weekly primetime shows. They are still, you know, first cousins to our U.S. daily soap operas. Um, And it was more... No, this is like back when Entertainment Weekly ran a piece on, you know, Sonny, Carly, Jason, and all of that when it first became hot. You know... 
the prime the, we've had those instances where it's not just a press release got Lynette Rice's attention and then and she misspelled it. No, this I'm talking date US daytime soaps used to make people in the in the mainstream media set up and take notice too. Like Sheila Carter, her that first Sheila Carter story, Marlena's possession, all of those stories made, you know, Erica many Erica Kane stories, you know. So I mean, that's what I'm talking about. And it's like it's it is it is considered and it is called and it is, they are unashamedly soaps. Shonda Rhimes don't call her show soaps. This is an unashamed soap opera. It's just so sans evil twins, sans doppelgangers and baby switches. Although I have read that there have been some baby switches on this show, but so, ain't been one since I've been watching. As we wrap this up, what is your final single thought? My final thought is single. About, listen here, don't you tell me. Get to the my, point, Jamie. My final thought is this show has at a time when you know this to be true, so I ain't even gonna lie. I was ready to give up on daily soap operas because with Queen Sugar and Atlanta on FX and so many other good shows to get my soap fix. I've been really struggling with why I should continue to care about baby switches and returns from the dead and all of this hacky stuff when it doesn't seem like the industry cares anymore in the U.S. And I know that that's not true. I know that there is a company of really great people at these shows that do care and that do want to save this genre, but it's been a while. But, but since the thing I've about really that is, though, Jamie, like we've seen it on screen. We have so, we have been commenting on it and battling against bad soap opera for a decade, and after a while, when you say the same things over and over and over, mm, and very little changes. You have no, the, you have the, the right you have the right to and, find and, inspiration and I, well, yeah. other, elsewhere. Well, I want to say this, and I'll let other people log in and say what they feel in our comments. Because for me, 2016 has been a perilously bad year creatively for soaps. Now, some might, you know, there might be some obscure year. Somebody might be like, well, Jamie, in 1989 or 1977, there was also, but for me, and sure, could the fact that we blog about soaps every day and podcast about it, could that, could it just be that I'm having my own personal malaise and tired of Trump and Hillary or whatever? But I don't think it's that. I really feel that this year, creatively speaking, has been a low point for all four I, daytime soaps. I, so, yes. I, I, would, I would caveat that by saying the difference between this year and previous years is that usually there has been when, like, say, three soaps were bad, there would be we one that there would there would always be one on fire. Like when yeah. General Hospital was on fire, Days of Our Lives or others were bad. When The Bold and the Beautiful was epic, Ron was having a slump at General Hospital and and the other ones were just okay. When date I mean, when The Young and the Restless, granted it's been a while from there, 
But when the Re- Young and the Restless had its moments, one of the other soaps would been, be down. Y&R for the first four months of the year after they finally made Victor pay for that bullshit was great. Days, for but, me, but overall, the last this year, time Days was really good was when they had the whole Nick Fallon versus Sammy and the E-Jammy and all that. So yeah, there have been hugely successful, in my opinion, creative eras for this show. Bold and Beautiful, when they... They've been went, recycling scripts. They should yeah, get a conservation award. But when Bold went so bold, I mean, they really used their term to make Maya transgender. I was so proud I didn't know what to do. And now I am so disappointed in Brad Bell that I, I, I'm just as disappointed as I was proud last year that he has just sunk back into this derivative. And, you know, we end up cutting, you know, on this podcast, we'll always come back to the, well, it's just 30 minutes. Emmerdale is 30 minutes. There's no excuses. And Brad has some of the best writers in TV. And Brad is a really good writer when he wants to be. We saw it when he had to kill off Stephanie. When Susan Flannery retired and Ron Moss quit, Brad Bell said, okay, y'all want to leave? I'm going to show y'all what I can do. And he wrote the fuck out of Bold and Beautiful for a while. And then, but the thing about Brad, and he doesn't really get called on it by the press at large. When Brad is good, Brad is great. But when Brad is bad, he's as bad as any hack. There's no in between. And the problem is, is that too much of the majority of his time is he's a hack. I don't. Well, it I used mean, because because be well, like, no, if, if if three months out of a year are good, and nine are bad, that's hackery. I did, well, yes, we've always talked about how Brad used to have his Emmy bait three or four months, you know. I don't know what he's going to use this year because, I mean, it's just been all bad. I mean, well, no, Quinn and Eric, I take that back. Quinn and Eric have been great. John McCook killed it. You know, Rena Sofer is, is you know, that's a saving grace for that show. But, you're, you know, it, there's no excuse for the, re- the repetition in the Liam Hope. Wyatt. Uh, I mean, Liam Wyatt, Steffi story. I mean, I am embarrassed for Scott Clifton who is one of the best actors in daytime, Jacob Young. I mean, for him to be having to play out another surrogacy, we want to rent your womb story a month later. I mean, the first baby is just, is it even crawling yet? I mean, so my take home is I challenge the U.S. daytime soaps to get a get access to that BitTorrent site and start watching Emmerdale, or actually go back and start, you know, or watch from the last two to three months. And yes, long-term fans, I know y'all have y'all gripes about it because y'all have watched longer than me, so we are, we're programmed to gripe eventually. But I'm just saying, by comparison, I'm never going to I'm never going to accept you coming after me for my soap love. <laughs> but by comparison, there's just no. And I'm not saying, here's the thing, because a lot of people will go, well, you know, U.S. daytime soaps don't have the budget to do that kind of stunt. The stunt They'd have the budget if they cleaned up their casts. Well, the stunt was just gravy. The stunt wouldn't have been as interesting had all of those characters and those stories not been that interesting and relatable. And that's the thing. That's You mentioned earlier about the billionaires and all of that when i was younger and poorer let's just be real growing up 
Yes, I loved the, and I still love a good The aspirational business, aspect so. of it. But yeah, when I was a pole kid growing up in Texas, yeah, you know, those stories meant more, and I was never poor, actually, we were middle class. But I can you know, tell yeah. you about poor, my friend. Yeah, I mean, so yeah, when I was younger and dumber and all of that, you know, glamorous, wealthy stories were, but what I love about Emmerdale is it reminds me of my actual and I didn't want to watch shows that reminded me of my actual hometown when I was still living in my actual hometown. But now that I, I'm like, oh, I know them people. Mm-hmm. Yep, I know them. Trashy. Mm-hmm. Sleeping with somebody's husband. Yep, I know them. And the fact that it's so basic that whenever there is a big reveal, you know, and then I'm going to really rap because we are going too long. But so this on podcast the is going to be three hours long on the young and the restless. When they have a big dramatic reveal, we have to have Ian Ward and him dressed like, you know, the phantom of the opera at the Newman tower and a fire and all this bullshit. When they revealed that Aaron had been sleeping with Robert all that time. Well, it trickled out. A lot of people found out at different times. But when they decided to do a big reveal, Aaron had gone over there and told, you know, in front of Robert, he told Chrissy that he had been screwing her husband and just blew up her world. She put Robert out, and then she showed up at Aaron's family's bar, which had a ton of people in it, you know, because they all and hang basically out at called him a whore. And yeah, and and Luke. Because nobody would have ever assumed, first of all, Robert Sugden has been straight for his entire run on this show. He slept with half the women. I did do that. So he had a Sweet Home Alabama uh, moment. Well, no, not really, because she is what I meant. Yeah. So he's sitting in there, you know, she's like, my husband's been sleeping with a bloke and cheating on me with a bloke. And everybody is like. What is she talking about? And Aaron is sitting at the other end of the bar and she just looks at him and goes, are you happy now? So everybody is like, you? (laughs) Like, it was like, oh shit. You have been in a small town situation like that where somebody's wife has been, you know, I can honestly say I have not been in that situation. I I tried to dog out Decab Texas, but let me tell you, and especially because I went, I, li- I went to the same, you know, all the black people in my neighborhood, I went to the same church. Let me tell you, it would be women sleeping with each other's husbands, sitting f- a few pews away from each other. Yes, Lord, if you ever lived in a small town, you will love Emmerdale because that is the type of shit that goes down. Peyton Place did it best, but small towns are a hotbed for scandal and hunching the wrong because it ain't and the thing about do. that is is even if you move away and you come back it never disappears yeah and then you know it ain't nothing else to do in a small farm town but screw and you gossip see the, you see the cows out there screwing in the field and so you go well i might as well go in here and do it too let's just hope ain't nobody screwing what an animal <laughs> Well, on that note, we would encourage you to comment on this episode, this really long episode that Jamie didn't get to the point. Um, I did, too. You can comment on this episode at DaytimeConfidential.com. Follow us on Twitter, twitter.com slash DCConfidential. Get to the point, Jamie. 
like us on Facebook, facebook.com slash DC Confidential. And if you want to see Jamie get to the point, because he's forced to for only 140 characters, where can he find you on Twitter? You can find me at Jamie underscore Giddens. But even you will like this. And you can find me at Luke underscore Kerr. Even you will like Emmerdale because they had a christening. (laughs) Until next time, so long. Oh, yeah.